Welcome to episode 744 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio team, welcome along to episode 744 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan, and you? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty good, mate. You see in the corner there? See my little Ralph? Right. Uh, we've got a Christmas, we've got a Christmas, what do we call that? Christmas little bear. November. No, it's the first thing, because it sits in the, the wall trouble year. We call it Ralph. Mm-hmm. And what, Joe's been moving around, well, it's been moving around the house, John. Mm. Every day it's in a different location. I think it's here to watch this podcast today. Righty-ho. Yeah, it was watching me, it was in the, my bathroom the other day. Is it, is watching me on? go for a pee, felt a bit weird. So it's very weird. Yeah. There's, a, there's a radio station my wife listens to over here, 91 ZM or ZM. ZM FM. And I think they talk about Christmas penetration. Oh, and, really? Uh, apparently it, is it time uh, to penetrate, is it? Yeah, it's apparently, I think we're at 80% penetration in terms of shops and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> when do you put your tree up? Blind will put it up early. I say 1st of December. I'm really against anything before 1st of December. You're a curmudgeon, aren't you, Newsom? That's right. Killjoy. The, the Christmas curmudgeon. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by the Legends brand. I need to, you're going to hear about this later in the show, but today is when I need some of the stuff. So it is actually really appropriate on. because John, um, yeah, well, yes, you, like you need some. You <laughs> really, I've really mucked up really my fashion today. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell it's not quite a. John's going for a meeting to who are you trying to impress? I'm, and I'm not trying to impress anybody. I've just got a, a meeting for a triathlon event. I've got to meet the park rangers, and so okay. I need to just be have casual. But it's cold outside, and I don't have any sort of casual, casual sportswear. Yeah, and. You need to just turn your mic a little bit towards you. Okay. Just a little bit. That's there it right go. there, yep. Right um, well, well, interestingly, well, let's talk about this later because definitely you do need to do that. <laughs> uh, it's also brought to you, Legends website, John, is Legends, uh, the legendsbrand.com. So we'll talk about that later on the show. Uh, patrons. We have Mandy T. Mac Towler. We've got Neil, the Ninja Stafford. Adam, the Racing Vampire Leech. And then we've got Jeans, the Champ. Uh, I'm going to say Dullman. Dalman, yeah. Dalman. Uh, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got Hot Topic of the Week. We've got more Epic Camp, the last of the Epic Camp interviews. We have, and this is sort of late in the camp, so you get a slightly different picture of how people have felt. And then we've got some questions and answers at the end. First of all, John, we had an Ironman over the weekend. We haven't had many of those recently, have we? We do not. This was the first in North America, first of two, I think, that we've got coming up because we've got Arizona in a couple of weeks' time. and. Some seriously uh, fast solid times. racing. <laughs> we always get fast times in Florida, uh, but it was impressive. We had five guys go under the eight-hour barrier. Chris Lieferman uh, took it out. He swam 54, rode a very impressive 401.50, uh, and Jeez, then good, did it? a 250.29 to bring it home in 752.44. So nearly averaging 40k an hour. That's uh, that's impressive. Averaging? No, it's nearly averaging 45k an hour. Is that what you said? Oh, yeah. yeah no, 40. no, I said 40. Yeah, no, easy 40. 40 is uh, four hours 30. Um, 45 an hour? Yeah, that's impressive. And you're up by your front. Yeah. You're, yeah. Not, like, you're not drafting in that situation, are you? Yeah, well, he had... 
Andreas Streitz rode a 4.02.57, so oh, okay, I imagine maybe. they were probably yeah, okay, together no, sorry, you're for, right. yep. a, for a good chunk. But that is uh, that is humming. And we're just looking at the results. There may have been different things happening on the day. That's a problem when you just look at results. You don't always see the full picture. Ran a 2.50. Who knows? Could have run quicker potentially um, when you got a th- two or three minute lead. Matt Hansen was coming home strong though with a 2.41.57. He's always a good runner, but that's uh, bloody impressive. And then and he just nipped home in front of Sam Long, who had a bloody good run, for a 2.45, um, but Matt Hansen nipped him by about 30 seconds. So Sam Long's had a really solid start to the uh, to the year. John, what the, well, the, to the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's interesting is that this one was, like on Thorsten's kind of analysis, that this one was four minutes slower than normal. Yeah, it's a sea swim, so I didn't see any coverage. Uh, could have been a bit choppy, could have been a bit long. Could be that everybody's swimming's a bit shizer because uh, they haven't been doing much swimming Yeah, this but year. basically most of the pros, only but, a couple went in as 53. But Brent McMahon's, you know, he's a former ITU swimmer, so he's not a 53-minute swimmer. He's no. more like a, you know, 48-minute swimmer, I would imagine. So pretty strong field. You know, we've got the likes of Cody Beals sitting in fifth place, Matt Russell sixth, um, Pedro Gomez seventh, and Brent McMahon Eighth, you know, that's a solid field. As I said, pretty close racing. Eight minutes covering the first five guys. Then the female side of the race? Awesome racing again there. We had uh, three females under the nine-hour barrier and two of them by quite some margin. Yeah, and so, Catherine, uh, Katrina Matthews actually took out the course record from Van Van Oh, nice. uh, So she had in 2013, she did a, uh, what did you do back in those days, an 8.43. So she beat the course record by about three minutes. Impressive across the board. Fifty-eight minute swim, four thirty-six, and then a sub three-hour run with a two fifty-eight twenty-nine for an eight forty fifty. Impressive. She beat out Sky Munch, who we interviewed uh, sort of during lockdown period. Or I know a lot of you guys are still in lockdown period, but she, um, yeah, she's made an impressive kick butt return to racing with a, a 8.46 and a good old Meredith Kessler still hanging in there and this is another mark of the swim you know she's a really good swimmer and she swam 58 to 59 she's normally about a you know a very low 50 minute swimmer so clearly there was something up in the swim uh, she's boked 4.44 and rode a th- ran a 3.08 for an 8.59.01 so Ruth Astle sna- snagged a uh, Kona slot there in fourth place so it was three slots on the men's side and three on the female side so Chris Leiferman, Matt Hansen, and Andreas Dreitz had them. And then on the females, Katrina Matthews, Sky Munch, and Ruth Astle, which means either Meredith Kessler already has a slot or she declined it. So probably one of the biggest pieces of news, and it was actually interesting because I got, I got up in the morning, it must be Monday morning, I jumped on Reddit because we sort of check out. And this was on the front page of Reddit, which means it's pretty big news because Reddit, it's mm. huge to get on the front page of Reddit. And uh, basically, Chris, uh, I'm going to say Nickick, uh, was the first athlete with Down syndrome to complete an Ironman in 16 hours and 46 minutes. Chris is a 21-year-old recent high school graduate, keynote public speaker, and a Special Olympics Florida athlete from mm, Florida. (laughs) Uh, He swam a 154, biked a 12, an 812, and then ran a 618. Collaboration with Ironman Foundation, Chris raised nearly $40,000 to up to date, with 100% of the funds going to causes important to him. Donations can still be provided, so you can do that. I reckon that'll crank up quite a bit more than that. So good on Iron Man for getting in behind Chris and publicising this heavily. And mm. this was just going nuts on social media. Yeah. And, and awesome, eh? Amazing achievement. Brilliant. 
uh, and he, he sounds like he's done quite a bit and his, his dad was uh, sort of his spokesperson. I'm not sure if his dad was his guide or not. Um, <laughs> so his surname is N-I-K-I-C. Nickick. Uh, and his dad is Nick Nickick. Nick Nickick, really? <laughs> wow, that's funny. Um, so that was an awesome achievement and uh, great to see it publicized and people liking and commenting. And Well, what I love about this kind of stuff is, is, is it allows other people with conditions or, or limits to think, you know, I, I can do more, mm-hmm. you know, and like I guarantee this won't be the first Down syndrome athlete we see doing an Ironman and moving forward, but it's just that kind of opening of a door to the possibilities and that's probably the beauty of Ironman as an overall thing, oh, yeah. you know, like the amount of people, you know, like the amount of people who've had a friend do like a half Ironman or a half or an Ironman and then thought, geez, maybe if they did it, I can do it. And that's where you said, you know, hopefully it'll inspire people with disabilities to do it. But I think even more so, it's going to inspire people that are just either out of shape, yeah. lazy. They're going to go, if he can crap, do it, if he can do it, I'm going to be able to and do it. And that's something. such a good statement. If he can do it, I can do it. Because I know of my running group, my 5K group, you know, we're targeting overweight, unfit people. The biggest thing is referrals because their friends go, oh, if so as I can do it, mm. I can do this. You yeah. know, so it's, it's awesome because the purpose of our sport is sure competitive, you know, high level stuff, but just making people kind of have that self discovery journey. And our sport is so good at it, mm. you know, so it's absolutely awesome. Well done, Nick. Um, Chris, you absolutely rock. Okay, we've got some coming up races, John. We do. We've got Ironman Arizona coming up, uh, Cozumel as well. There are still a couple of weeks away, as is Daytona. Um, but one of the, the biggest races we're probably going to see potentially this year is um, Taiwan. They have a half and a full, so that's, you know, the half always bumps things up. But Taiwan is, is arguably... 5,000 competitors, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, arguably the country that's done COVID the best. You know, New Zealand's kind of lucky because we're, we're small, but... They've oh, no, we're, we're, we're lucky, but we've also acted really well. Yep, <laughs> Taiwan is incredible. So they've got, I think they're going to have 5,000 people or so racing across teams, half, full. Um, so obviously won't be any pros unless they're sort of local pros. Um, so yeah, Challenge Taiwan is the big race for the weekend. Tell you one, so we're going to talk about John's ITU update and it looks like Brownlee's making a bit of a comeback. Now, tell you what, he's glad Crover's happened because um, he, he wouldn't have been that great at the Olympics. No, he wouldn't. No, and interestingly enough, uh, I saw the Team GB have actually announced they're the four members of their Olympic squad already. Okay. So they've announced their three females, uh, and Johnny Brownlee has has been named as the first the first of the males, and then they've got a real. So tell dilemma. me about it. So just, just so you know, he got second. I know. We'll talk about his race in second because that was pretty impressive. Okay. But the dilemma you've got as the Olymp- uh, as the Great Britain selectors is, yeah, Brownlee's. Alistair Brownlee is now, again, a medal contender. Johnny Brownlee, I don't reckon he's a medal contender oh, anymore. Um, but then you've got Alex Yee, who is probably the fastest runner in the sport. And if he gets, if, if, if he had a domestique to maybe pull him up to the front group, then he could be a gold medalist. Uh, uh, so there's this dilemma. I think they'll... they'll, they'll and they've uh, already announced Johnny now. Yeah, so I think they'll have to select Alistair Brownlee if he carries but on. But who else the is there? Form. Well, then they could. They, uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'm, I'd imagine they've probably got somebody who's maybe a swim biker who could potentially look after Alex Yi uh, and try to drag him up. So, who knows? But yeah, it was it was pretty interesting racing at the weekend. So where was it? It was in Valencia okay. in uh, Spain. I haven't watched a females race because I just saw the the males result and I thought that's pretty interesting. Let's have a quick scan through that. Did a quick fast forward through the race. 
Alistair Brownie just changes the dynamic of racing. It's Why? so good. Why? So he got in there and uh, he's right up the front of the swim again yep. and then just lays it down on the bike and forced a three-person breakaway. So there was him, Vincent Louis and Pierre Lacour and they just slammed it on the bike. It was a sprint distance race and uh, and just got the got a bit of a buffer. You know, put They didn't put that much time into the guys behind them, but enough, but enough to make the guys have to chase the whole way through. And I tell you what was cool for me is Alistair Brownlee had aero bars on his bike and he was using them. I'm like, why do these ITU guys not use aero bars? Uh, granted, if you're sitting in a pack, they're a bit of a waste of space, but hopefully maybe this brings back just some breakaways. And well, that being said, we've had lots of different results. It's been gr- a great last sort of 18 months of racing. But he got in a group of three with Vincent Louis and Pierre Lacour and they just slammed it off the front and finished first, second and third. Alistair Brownlee ran with Vincent Louis pretty much the whole way. You kind of could tell Vincent Louis probably had a little bit more in the tank. Okay. Um, but it did come down to the last couple of hundred metres and if Vincent Louis felt like it, uh, felt amazing or was really dominant, he would have just run away from him as he has done in other races. So Brownlee's run time is 14.35. Yella Gaines, who finished in third, who's probably been running the fastest um, this year and, and part of last year, was only eight seconds quicker than him. In the so, run? And, yeah, and this is uh, over a sprint distance, which is probably not his forte. Uh, so, yeah, he's back in the mix. So, finished second place, if I didn't say that already. So, it's really fascinating, isn't it? Because, again... You you kind of you know you didn't think he was going to be sharp enough for the Olympics. No, not at and all. And kind of post August, he's been showing some pretty good results again, hasn't he? He's been racing the house down. Yeah. And so what he needs and for him to have a chance in J- in Japan next year in Tokyo. What's the course like? It's flat, fairly flat. It's got lots of twists and turns though. Okay, so quite so technical. Quite technical. And if you're at the back of the group, you're going to be yo-yoing all the time oh, and putting okay. in big spikes. So if he can get a breakaway of say eight to 10 athletes and they just lay the hammer down and eliminate all the runners, then he's in with a shout of a medal. And you know, if he keeps tracking this direction, who knows what color it could be. But oh, you know what? If he won the gold medal, like I'm just being an idiot here, but... How cool would that be? It would be pretty bloody impressive. That'd be, that would be... Yeah, I don't know. I don't follow... I don't do a lot of um, Instagram and yep. social media stuff to, to know whether he's doing the championship uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But if he does, it'd be impressive to see how he goes. Interesting, sorry, to see how he goes. You know, like if he hadn't have shown this kind of form as he's come back to ITU Racing recently, it'd be interesting to watch his choices moving into next year. Mm. But now that he's kind of shown... So, and maybe it's because he hasn't been injured because mm-hmm. the last few years has kind of he's been on a yo-yo with the injury, hasn't he? So it would have been interesting to see like if you come back and had a couple of ITU races and was just getting like eights and ninths and stuff, what next year would look like. But now that he's getting these high-level performances, I guarantee he's thinking Olympics. I guarantee it. And yeah. he could he could do the double. We haven't seen his cone of form yet, but he's cone qualified, so he doesn't have to race an iron oh, distance. Uh, Olympics, I guess, is probably late July, isn't it? You've got August, September... You know, you've got 10 weeks to lead into, you want into to? Kona. I suppose it depends how he goes at the Olympics. Yeah. I would if I was. I'd, it's just, just cool because if you're a betting man, I wouldn't, wouldn't put my, my house on him. No. But do you know what? Worth a shot. He's, for me, he's gone from being a, a top tenner to you know, potential a potential medalist. medalist. What happened um, on the females race? Female side, Beth Potter, who is a brilliant runner. She, she ran a 15-something, mid-15 for a 5K early this year. She beat out uh, Nicholas Spurig. And man, she just... Nicholas Spurig's 1982, so what's she, she now? She's, uh, if she goes to the next Olympics, which is next year, she, she's 
pushing the boat out. Let's just say that in terms of her age. She, she's born in 1982. Beth Potter is uh, nine years younger than her. Uh, and she's also racing against other athletes that were born in like 2000. So Nicholas Berg is probably... Uh, I'd say almost 100% definitely the oldest person on the circuit. Um, not that she's really on the circuit, she just comes and goes, but she looks like she's probably making another tilt for another Olympics as well. And uh, when you can finish second place... She's won a gold, gold isn't she? Place, she's won a gold, she's got a silver, and she got another colour? Not quite sure. She's got a gold and a silver, though. Uh, but Beth Potter just came down to the run. Born in 1982. Mm. So you've got, you got... Everyone else is 90s, 2000s. So she's 38, 39... Geez, that's impressive, isn't it? Mm. In in short course, in a sprint, mm. you know, like you, you know, someone is in like half Ironman or Ironman. Oh yeah, that's, that's we still go. That's pretty good. Yeah, but to pull that off, and now how stellar? How good is the field? It's pretty solid. Beth Potter has been performing really, really well. Um, so yeah, she's running with one of the fastest runners of the sport at thirty, at thirty, thirty-eight or thirty-nine. Yeah. That is amazing. That's so cool. So Beth Potter first, Nicholas Berg second, Lisa Turch from Germany in third place. So that's the end of the ITU season in terms of World Cup racing. And uh, not sure when we're going to re- see a resumption of racing for ITU. Um, yeah, good times. Okay, John, we had a discussion of the week. Our discussion was, who is the fastest triathlete, male or female, in a straight marathon race, off, not off the bike? So basically, let's go do a marathon. You can nominate a current athlete or uh, an old one if you want. So fastest of all time. Andreas Wolf thought, first thought is Langer and Haug. Um, they both hold the course records in Kona, like many others. But I think Frodo would actually beat Langer on a cold, on a cold marathon. While Langer has the course record for the run in Kona, Frodo always puts it on the line and the swim and the bike and still runs one of the fastest marathons. And also remember his 70.3 run in South Africa. What do you reckon? I'll uh, go into my, my thoughts in a moment. John Weir's got an interesting one here. It's, as for current, I'm not sure, but I always wish Mark Allen's Olympic marathon trials went a bit further than they did. So how did he go on those? I don't know, and I didn't look this up. Uh, so he did take some time out um, from triathlon to see how fast he could go, as did Erin Baker for, for triathlon. But she did all right in marathons, didn't she? She, she did pretty well. She won she, a couple and, decent ones, didn't she? Uh, well, she, she did great in some 10K races. Off the top of my head, I think she got down to about a 32, something like that, for a 10K. Uh, so Erin did extremely well. Duncan Penfold, uh, was it Rasmus who speculated on I Am Talk he could run a 212? Pete Jacobs was a good runner, but I'll go Rinny and Langer as well. You okay, know, this, is, this is speculation of some forum back in the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, but someone's got here. My memory is that Mark broke 222 somewhere along the way trying to qualify for the 88 marathon trials, but didn't even break 220. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, which is not bad. Two twenty is not too shabby. Um, but back in that day, but and then uh, ironically, now it would probably be more competitive than it was probably back then. Every man and his dog could bloody run uh, two twenty. But these days, uh, of course, you've got all the fast Africans. But in terms of the um, eastern, uh, you know, western countries, then it's a, it's a little bit thinner. Uh, we've got a few other random ones here of people that did triathlon. But probably wasn't kind of after running. Yeah, so okay. Campbell Muffet said uh, also Melindy Elmore was a Canadian and Olympian in 2004 for 1500, then turned to triathlons, posting a few sub nine uh, at Ironman Arizona three or four years ago, then returned to running to set a Canadian marathon record in January this year of 2.24.50. Solid. It's, it's a female. Good old Simon Lashman's got a good one here. Ellen Brownlee ran a 28.34 outright 10K, according to uh, the run predictor, uh, that would equal a 2.11. 
run predictor is a predictor. <laughs> yeah. and there's, a, there's a couple of other those here. You, know, you extrapolate out the to LXG's times. And you're like, well, 5K, 10K doesn't necessarily mean you can do it over a marathon. So, you know, you look at um, Mo Farah. He's done well at marathons. But he hasn't been a stellar marathon. Not stellar. And if you extrapolate his, you know, he's a world 5 and 10K champion. Um, you'd expect him to be the world marathon champion based on that rationale uh, Tim Hemming's got a couple in here as well Italian Sara Dosana has a 224 marathon personal best from last year and was competitive on the ITU World Cup circuit in 2014-2015 uh, Arnold's got uh, Gustav Eden and Sierra, Sierra True Nice uh, Aidan Rich hard to think of any triathlete that would beat Erin Baker over marathon over a marathon at her best Sonia O'Sullivan who is a really good um, run, I think she was Irish, did a few triathlons and ran a 2.29 marathon. Um, Neil Hastings has got Rennie and Langer, and of all time, Rennie and... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Aidan Rich, Rich also has, uh, actually, Gwen Jorgensen would be thereabouts if she had a good day. And then Simon Lashmore said Gwen's PB for 5K is 15.15. That should equate to about a 2.26 marathon. Her best is only 2.36 where she was ill. So... So yeah, Will Hogarth's gone a uh, bit out of the box here. I think I'll go for Lionel Sanders. He's the sort of person that if he puts his mind to, he could do it. And then he said Nicholas Spirig. Uh, she has an amazing standalone marathon. Okay, John, your thoughts? So a couple of others in here as Is well. Is Frodo too big to do a fast marathon? Don't know. Don't yeah. You don't see many guys his size running no. a fast, fast marathon. Yep, I, I'd agree with that. Uh, Linda White's got to be Chrissy Wellington. She'll be strong up against the men as well. Don't know about that, but she would be uh, a very interesting case. And a couple, just I'll do a couple of others that people have mentioned here. Craig Miskin says Alex G and Ashley Gentle, former Aaron Baker and Spencer Smith. I doubt Spencer Smith. He was an incredible athlete. If you don't know about him, he was that he beast. He, he was kind of like the not the Lionel Sanders, but he kind of had that same physique, really muscular and yep. just uh, beast mode. But I don't think he would have been done a very fast marathon uh, so I think I've covered most of them oh, one, one of one Campbell Maffitt says Magnus Mickelson ran a 2.14 and was a sub 9 hour triathlete um, and then got Arnos oh you've done that yep I think we've covered most of them Jeff Curry says Coach John if he nails his project 15 minute 5k from a few years ago it wasn't actually 15 minute 5k it was a 16 minute 5k and that was going to be a very big ask <laughs> to be honest it was one of those ideas you put out there and you didn't really start on, did you? No, I didn't. But uh, it is a, something I do want to try to see what I can do for 5K at but, some Okay, stage. Langer ran a 109. That's not great. In the Berlin Half Marathon. Yeah, it's pretty solid. 109. Extrapolate, extrapolate that out to a marathon. Put, put that into your, your Jack not. Daniels. No, but, that, but 109 is not that great. No, it's not. No, that, remember when you think about if what Frodo ran in South Africa. He oh, ran, no, this is on a flat, just, just a marathon, half marathon. Yeah, I know, but that's what I was meaning. Frodo ran something around that time for... Uh, for I'm thinking he was just been doing casual I mean, run. South Africa. So let's have a look. Let's have a look. Oh, the old VDOT calculator. Great app if you haven't got it. Yep. VDOT calculator. Oh, that's not opening right now. So <laughs> <laughs> Sharpen up VDOT calculator. I'm trying so, to give you the plug here. Half marathon, 109. Let me just go on flat. So that that goes through. No, let me not. let me take a guess there. I'd say one oh nine would equate to probably about a two twenty four. Yeah, well done, John Newton. <laughs> and I wasn't looking. Um. So yeah. So it's two. No, that, he'd be faster than that. Yeah. I'm just trying to see if there's. Uh, um. So, so my thoughts is obviously Langer is the fastest Ironman, and he's runner, a beautiful runner, amazing, efficient runner. But 
<laughs> this is just we always slag off Patrick Lane. He's never going to win Kona again. And is an amazing runner. He is. He, he's the most beautiful runner I've ever seen in Kona. He's the fastest ever. He's, he's the fastest ever. <laughs> you give him no love. I, I don't know that he would be the fastest marathoner. I'd, but who, who's going to beat him? him. Um, I, don't, okay. I think Frodo's too big. Yeah. I think for a fast, fast marathon. So if you look at the current crop, you know, you try to think of the or the, or the fairly recent current crop. You think Frodo, he's one of the fastest runners. David McNamee, has been right up there in Kona in terms of. Frodo his wasn't that fast at ten k in the in the Olympic distance, was he? Well, he won the Olympics. So. Yeah, but but he, he wasn't a fast. He wasn't known as being a fast runner, was he? Pretty fast, but not not like not an Alex like, yeah, or, or Brownie. Yeah. Yeah, um, David McNamee's pretty quick. Uh, Craig Alexander was really nice and efficient and fast in his day. Maka was great. Andreas Raylert. Um, Come on, Ling is better than all of those guys. In, in, in Hawaii, in the heat he is. Listen to you. Um, give, him, give the men some love. So, you know what I was thinking was, I reckon maybe Greg Welch might be the far... Uh, I don't, I don't, again, don't think he ran a fresh marathon, but I'm sort of thinking, looking at people as pure runners, really high cadence, think they'd be durable enough to hold it for a fast marathon. And I, I'm going out on a limb, I'm going to say Greg Welsh. Um, I would put him down as being my fastest of all time. If somebody said, we'll give you... What about like a McAllen? 15, 15 months to prepare for a marathon or 18 months, it did, uh, I reckon he would be right up there. I think Mark Allen would definitely be as well. We're just speculating here, but... Oh, to me, it's, it's Langer. Uh, and I would also think Lessing and possibly Frodo. <laughs> and I've, I've put maybe Langer. Now, are we, are we only just doing I'm in? Yeah, because the rest is kind of... Yeah, okay, yeah. Like, Alex G, I'm sure, we'll get there. Would, would be amazing. Yeah, but okay. I if, if I'm saying I'm in, you, you can't look past Langer. He's yeah. the fastest runner in the sport, in the history of the sport. Over Ironman in Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> give the man some uh, love. Off, off, off soft pedaling the 180 case, <laughs> sitting in the group. Soft pedaling. <laughs> Uh, um, he's beautiful. Ah, oh, yeah. You know, he, he's just a pure runner. Mm. You know, um, yeah. I, just yeah, just the efficiency. Yeah, and he's and he's smaller, and quite a bit yep. smaller, which which certainly would help him. Uh, so I definitely think he'd be in the mix. But I'm going Greg Welsh. He was even smaller, uh, and Greg Welsh had this amazing. So turnover. was he a stupid fast runner? Yep, he was. He was crazy. He could run a lot of people down. Not necessarily at Ironman. I mean, he won Hawaii yeah. once. Uh, I don't actually know what his pedigree was like. You, get the, you get the feeling of Greg Welch. Was, uh, the year I did Kona was the year he got um, Hall of Fame. Right. And you got the feeling, because they got a few, they did the video of people talking about him, and you got the feeling of Welch was, he was a guy who never took it serious enough. Mm. You know, he, he was kind of the cool, calm, pretty chilled Aussie guy. And I think the year he won it was like uh, uh, Paul and Newby Fraser. I, from what I recall on the video that was, mm-hmm. which is pretty good memory if this is true, was kind of saying he'd always stay up late, you know, he never, he kind of just never did the hundred percent. And then the year he won, it was the one time she remember he, he was like living on her couch or something. Or, mm. And um, it was the one time he was kind of like going to bed at the right time and actually kind of just treated it properly. Mm. Um, so potentially he was one of those guys that maybe post career could look back and go, maybe I could have been better if I just took on a little bit more serious. Well, he was one of the most versatile athletes, so he could do it over you know, Formula One distance. Yeah. He could do it over duathlon, Olympic distance try. And I remember when we did legends of him, he definitely felt he could have won the Olympic gold. He mm. was one of the ones who missed out. But, mm. you know, a year before, he was probably in... Well, it was couple. just a few years too late for him. Was it? Yeah. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Greg Welch. I'm going to um, say Langer. Um, you're going to say Langer. Yep. The female side of it, uh, you know, fascinating. fastest in Hawaii uh, by country mile is, is Rennie and, and Haug. And Haug. What, uh, what did Haug do, do time-wise? Uh, 
uh, she set the course record. Oh, for the run? She? Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure she did. Okay. If, if she didn't, it was very, very close. So those two, uh, again, I think they'd be exceptional. They're both small athletes. They're both technically uh, incredible, uh, really high turnover. So I think they would be my front runners. But you've also had some amazing runners in, in Kona that are not necessarily pure runners. Caitlin Snow, she never got enough credit. She ran a 2.53 one year and was consistently under three hours in there. So I think, uh, and she had it, but I don't think she'd be a fast marathon runner. She was just a efficient, choppy, just didn't slow down kind of athlete. Um, but I don't know how much more speed she'd have in the tank. The one enigma would be Chrissy. Who knows what she could have done if she'd set her mind to it. Um, obviously, bigger, stronger athlete. Yeah. So in the heat, prob- well, in the heat, she did fine in Kona. Um, what about Erin? And, and then Erin was was amazing as well. I'm not sure what her fastest marathon Let was. Let me have a look. I was having a but, uh, And then the one that would be my speculator would be Emma Snowsill. Again, she was in the same elk as Rennie and Haug, very small athlete. High turnover, very, very efficient. So th- those three would probably be in one basket. Erin, obviously from the previous generation, I think she'd match Okay, so, okay here we go, here we go. Guess what Erin Baker's fastest marathon was? Uh, actually, I know this because I think um, I think Richard Swan posted something. I think she was two, 2.34. No, if this is right, it's saying 2.26. Oh, wow. Impressive. That's really, really Erin's impressive. a legend. Yeah. God, she's a legend. That's fast. That is smoking. Mm. Wait a second. Yeah. So, uh, New Zealand, Erin Baker, Erin, 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 That's fast. That a lot of those females have. So, to go. could a Rennie do a two twenty six? Um, you'd like to think so. I'd, yeah. If if you if again if you spent a couple of years training for it, where does two twenty six fit in the scheme of things? That's pretty quick. Pretty solid. It win a lot of marathons to this day, wouldn't it? Right now, it wouldn't win you the, get the, you the majors, ones, but, but it would win you a lot of marathons around the world. Yeah, if you're right and, she, up and the thing about Erin is she did that in the last part of her career, didn't she? Mm. She went to running after she'd done her Ironman time. Uh, then she came back, so it was sort of oh, was in it, the was latter it? part of her career. Okay. And then she made it. Because she tried, back. she did Commonwealth Games, didn't she? What did she well, she did triathlon. I think then she trialed for the 10,000 or something 10,000, like yeah. I think. The other one. Um, God, she's a legend. We haven't mentioned yet uh, is Gwen Jorgensen, you know, and oh, she. Yeah. But uh, this is, they're outside the Ironman criteria you hear from me. Yeah, true. But, but Chuck, talk about it. So. I'm going to say... So wait a second, she's only done a 2.36. Yeah, but she's way quicker than that. But if she hasn't done it. She, hey, she coulda, woulda, shoulda. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. She hasn't done it, but she would be uh, right up in the mix, I think, if she gets it together. But that's the thing about Baker, isn't it? She delivered. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's one thing to say, oh, they could, but she just, man, like, God, she's a legend. Mm. And that was before, you know, the technology, the sports science. She was kind of, to a degree, doing it by herself, so... Incredible. So I'm going to go out on a limb though. I'm going to say Anne Howe could be the fastest uh, if there was to be a race of Better all ages. Sorry, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's a, like on the day. I think mm. you got Rennie Howe and Baker. Mm. You know, if you could get them all in their peak moment mm. and they'd all train hard, it'd, it'd literally be just you know nice stage. Oh, why can we do that? Do you know, in the seventies, do you know this? In the seventies, they did you watch the last Rocky film? The, the, like Rocky uh, Eight or whatever maybe. it is, where maybe. he basically comes back and he's like sixty. Do you watch that? No, one? but he's about. Oh no, Tyson's the one coming back at the moment, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So in the last Rocky film, the, the premise was they were doing this thing where, um, uh, they were doing this kind of computer analysis of who would, if Rocky would beat the latest champion, mm. and so then they thought Rocky's all bugger this, let's do the fight, and he ends up losing. But it's you know Rocky's always great, and but in the seventies they actually did it. So they got Ali. 
versus Rocky Marcioni because Rocky Marcioni had never lost a fight mm-hmm. and they got this computer kind of algorithm, whatever it was, it was probably pretty basic back in those days. And then what they did is they got um, Ali and Rocky Marcioni to actually pretend they're doing the fight. Mm-hmm. So they did all this footage like for, and they and they took, you know, and Marcioni, like he was a little bit older so he got really lean and fit and he got mm-hmm. his hair and all that done and, um, and they did all this footage and they didn't tell him who was going to win. Mm. And then they sold it. So they sold it to movie theatres and mm. and there was this big thing that they did in the 70s. And Marcioni actually won it. And I think the reason he won it because he never actually lost a fight. Mm. But yeah, but both of the fighters didn't know who was going to win mm. as they did it. Yeah, I'm sure you could get a pretty good algorithm now that could extrapolate Aaron to, to the current sort of situation with... Yeah, well, that's a good science. question. Who of the past athletes would still be a legend today? Mm. You know, like it's because it's things move forward. You know, so who could still come in and play the game? Because time-wise, they're not the same. No, no. But, you know, with technology and stuff, it's fascinating stuff. Okay, we, but we've got another great question. We have. Oh. We're seeing Alistair Brownlee come back to be a force in ITU racing when it looked like his short course career was over. So what are some of the great career comebacks, not in a race, you know, career comebacks we've seen in endurance sports? I put endurance sports because I thought there might not be that many triathlon stories that people know about so preferably triathlon but other sports are okay so great comebacks great comebacks mm-hmm. there's a joke i want to tell you but i can't okay john let's talk about our let's talk about our new sponsor the legends brand so guys um you guys spend a lot of time doing your training and we know how important that is to feel 100 percent confident with all aspects that you do um your equipment your diet but especially your clothes. And today is an example where I didn't quite get it right. Um, so we're teaming up with the Legends brand. They're all over social media at the moment if you're in the States. Um, we're going to get a chance to try all this stuff out. We've seen it all online. It looks awesome. Uh, so it's a collection of and a variety of different apparel. Uh, it's, they feature all different sorts of performance tech materials you can expect, but also have fle- the flexibility to customize with a ton of options with color, inseam length, and even optional built-in liners to their shorts. So some of their investors, and this will uh, speak to some of our American listeners, or those that follow American sports, um, you've got the likes of Baker Mayfield, Matt Barnes, Steve Nash, and even Quavo from the Migos uh, in investing in this company so that speaks volumes about the quality of the brand and if these top athletes are willing to back them up so if you guys want to check it out go to thelegendsbrand.com slash imt and use the promo code imt20 you get 20% off your next purchase so that's thelegendsbrand.com slash imt and use the promo code imt20 all in caps um, it's only for American listeners unfortunately they're not sort of shipping internationally yep. but check it out I hope you to do. Uh, so it's sort of more yeah, your casual weird. John Newsom needs this today I do he comes around here now I could tell he wasn't trying to get the big money because when he comes around he's trying to get the council <laughs> or some some pack and save or some kind of sponsorship proposal he comes around looking flash and he came around this morning and I was like what's with those shoes mate <laughs> and, and then he's got some tra- I've just got my regular sort of dress socks and then on he's got dress so here's, here's he's got sports trackies an old pair of Essex running shoes, which look like they've been in the gardening shoes for the last 10 years. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, Close. I've done and then he's got bloody business socks on. 
Sharpen up. And then Belinda's, I've got my IM Talk uh, collared T-shirt underneath. Oh, so this sort of icebreaker You top. need to go to thelegendsbrand.com and you need to get some of these cool T-shirts. I tell you what, the Enzo T-shirt looks really nice. The shorts are really nice. Now let's look at pants. Get I've them got some, some funky pants in there. And oh, they've got the tapered pants. I love a tapered pants, John. Yeah. Really so, nice tapered pants. So you know, you guys know that you, if you look like you look like a triathlete, if you just casually casualing out and just sort of fluoro gear, this is going to make you cool. You're not going to have to think about it. But what I like about it, John, cool. oh, the hoodies are cool. I really like the hoodies. What I like about it is fit people need to wear fit looking clothes. Mm-hmm. If you are someone who's you know, if you're fit and you know, like you know, not all I mean athletes sit in that category, but if you are someone who you know, you look fit and you like. Show it, you yeah. know, not in a, not in a cocky kind of arrogant way, but just wear clothes that, sh- that are fitting to you. And the nice thing about this is they just look really nice on. Look at the photos with the the models wearing the gear. They're really nice fit. That kind of just make you, you know, show that you care about your health and your fitness. And you know, <laughs> so clearly I don't care about my health Obvious. and fitness very much. Not, You don't want to present it that well. Let's be honest. <laughs> so you definitely need to go here. So guys, check it out. Uh, this. Awesome to have them supporting the show. So the legendsbrand.com slash IMT. Use the promo code IMT20, get 20% off. If you are elsewhere in the world, like if you're in New Zealand, you can always use those uh, postal services where you get it sent to, to yeah, a PO yeah. box and get it forwarded on if you want to get some. So It's actually really it fairly priced too. You know, mm. like the, 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 the hoodie is a really nice hoodie. Like 75 bucks, you pay a lot more for that on a hoodie in, in the mall. And that's with that discount. Uh, secondly... Lastly, I had something to say about fashion, but it's totally gone out of my head, John. Oh, just just lastly, if you want to support us, even just go have a look at the website, hmm. you know. And also in America, any shipping over seventy five dollars is free. So Great, there you go. So check out the website, thelegendsbrand.com. Check it out, and uh, you get some cool gear. And maybe John needs to get some. Now, John, while this here, here's that photo I was telling you about. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it's paused. Uh, this is a great podcasting when we're showing each other videos which you guys can't see. Oh, this doesn't even want to play for me. Come on, no, come on, YouTube. It's from the seventies. Like is this? Oh, round five. Yeah. Muhammad Ali took it out, ten to nine. I got to say, now Marcioni ends up winning, but I got to say, Ali would have smashed him because Marcioni had this really got the reach on him. Oh, John. There you go. I wonder if they made much money from it. Who knows? Yeah, a bit gimmicky, but that's what happened. Because he also fought a sumo guy, didn't he? I've got no idea. Ali wasn't know. Ali wasn't below above bloody doing a gimmick, mm. you know. Like I'm pretty sure he did do a few gimmicky things. Okay, John, let's, we've got some epic camp interviews. Hope you guys enjoy these. We've, the feedback we've had in the past when we've done epic camp interviews is that you just enjoy them. So hopefully you guys do. Um, this is we've got a couple here. Firstly, um, at day eight, which was it was a nine day camp. So we spoke to and a guy from Wellington and Graham Woodward, and so we'll chuck them on now. We had one day to go, so they're sort of sitting there apprehensively thinking the next day is going to be a breeze. Yeah, okay, here we go. Here is the first of our interviews. Right, I'm now reporting from the sauna at the, what is it, the, the Riverlee Motels in Gore, which actually is really quite nice, quite impressed. So uh, if you're coming to Gore, go to Riverley or the Oak, Oak Lee, I think is the other one we're staying at. I've got Anna Guy with me. And uh, Anna, tell us just a little bit about yourself, where you're from and sort of your triathlon history, speed, etc. Okay. Thanks, John. Uh, so I started triathlon probably about exactly three years ago. Oh, and um, 
and I can't believe uh, the time that I've had in it. I've um, managed to squeeze in five half Iron Men and one full Iron Man. Um, got to go to Nice to the World Champs um, for the seventy point three last year. That was pretty amazing. Um, and then did Ironman in March, and was lucky enough to get a roll down spot to Kona, which is going to now going to be next year. Yep. Good. Um, um, but because Kona's delayed, I was like, "What am I going to do?" And my friend Nick Hankinson's like, "You've got to come and do Epic." <laughs> and I was like, "That just sounds like doing Kona nine days in a row." And anyhow, it sounded like much better value than doing Kona for one day. So I was like, <laughs> count me in. And didn't really know what I was signing up for for Epic. But um, shit, here I am, sorry, um, here I am day eight with one day to go. And it feels like it's actually gone really quickly. It's been a bit of a, whirl, bit of a whirlwind. Um, so it's always interesting for me, you know, we get a variety of people coming on the camps, some that have been following them for years and they've been building up going, I've always wanted to do one of these epic camps, they look awesome. And so when you're coming in, did you do much research, just hold that a little bit close, did you do much research in terms of what was going to be happening or were you relying on your, your team Wellington to sort of fill you in on the, the, the sort of jigsaw puzzle pieces? Oh, that's a good question. I looked at one video that you had, which mm-hmm. had some pretty speedy looking people in it. Mm-hmm. But I looked at that after I'd signed up. <laughs> and then yeah. I was like, what is the refund policy? <laughs> like, take me back, rewind this. Um, but there was quite a contingent of Wellingtonians. Like mm. there's nine of us. Mm. Which, so what's that, nearly a third of the, the mm. camp. And so... I and eight of them are in my squad and mm. the ninth one is a really good friend of mine so yeah. I sort of yeah we all started training together and doing um preparing and and it just got really really exciting so mm. I in answer to your question I knew nothing about the epic camps mm. but I guess it was that groundswell of the Wellingtonians and then every weekend we were like what are our long rides and what are we doing and so before we came on camp we had this like um I want to say this, like, we were the campers. Mm. And, and amongst all the other triathletes in Wellington, we were the campers. Mm. And we had our own WhatsApp group and we were just, the banter was great. And so we hit the ground running. Like, we had a pretty strong bond before we even got here. And that's kind of what I want these Epic Camps to be viewed as. It sounds like you did it, you guys did it pretty much to the T. It's like, this is like an event, this, these camps. It's not a, a training camp where I'm going to be standing there coaching people uh, it's not a knowledge-based thing per se in terms of lectures or anything like that. You're in for it. You've got to prepare for it. And I think as you guys probably found out, if you didn't prepare for this camp, it probably would have been a bit of a rude awakening. Oh, it would have been a rude awakening. And actually, we were lucky because a lot of us are coached by the same uh, person, Gerard Smith, mm-hmm. and he put a specific program together for us just mm-hmm. for Epic Camp. And... Um, and it was great. And honestly, the rest of the squad were looking at us like we had two heads. Like <laughs> they could not believe the volume we were doing. Mm. And um, and then I actually said to the coach, I said, I really, really want to do the Rotorua Marathon. And he was like, oh, my goodness, I don't know how you're going to fit your running and your cycling in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
okay, well, how about I make that your problem mm. and I'll just do it. Mm. And um, so he then uh, tweaked my program. And so the, the rest of the um, campers were off, the Wellington campers were off doing their thing. And I was having to go and do all these other running things. And I nice. then started feeling like, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm not doing what they're doing. And had a little bit of a moment where I thought I hadn't done enough cycling and they've all got the jump on me. Um, but... As it's played out, um, it's, it's been okay. Actually, it's interesting because um, um, I'm probably the one of the weakest cyclists coming out of Wellington of the, of the nine mm-hmm. that have come up. And, and I did feel a little bit um, insecure, I guess, about that. But um, probably I'd say day six, like day five was really hard for me. Um, and then day six sort of came right and seven, eight, like the last couple of days mm. have actually been really good. Um, but, uh, and interesting that different people have had different bad days. Mm. Yep, I had a shocker yesterday. So yeah, everybody's had bad days. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, you, you sort of started to answer my next question about the roller coaster you kind of go through on the camps. So it seemed to me after a couple of days... Everybody was still on cloud nine. We'd had a beautiful day on the first day. The second day, the weather was a bit inclement. Third day, we got absolutely drilled, but people were still enjoying it um, because it was it was tailwind and it wasn't that cold. Um, so, how has that roller coaster sort of been for you? Now, maybe you can explain your little uh, elbow incident. Um, but how has it been, sort of picking yourself up off the canvas each day, and and has it been a roller coaster? And and if so, how have you sort of managed that? Right. Okay. So I, um, you're right. The first day, everyone was just, you know, just chomping at the bit. Mm. Couldn't couldn't start soon enough, and everyone had their number one kit on, and it was pretty exciting. And the the weather was stunning. It was great. We had just the the best opening day. Uh, so we're all up there on cloud nine. Day two, of course, it just rained the whole day. Mm. And then we had actually finished the ride, got the points, but no, no, the girls were keen, keen on the extra points, so we had to go out for the extra. Mm-hmm. And we were going out for the extra points <laughs> when, unfortunately, I um, touched Lee's wheel and couldn't stop touching it and went down. Um, and so I got a bit of a um, bit of a jolt on the second day. Um She's got, got the Grand Canyon in her bloody elbow. Yeah, yeah, actually. And I've just, um, so, that, yeah, that was hard. And, and I was really cold. I was really hungry. And I was really tired because it was the end of mm. the, the ride. And I was thinking, why did I go after that bonus point? Like, mm-hmm. wasn't this even <laughs> worth it? Anyhow, unfortunately, um, as you'll get with 30-odd people, there's, there's chemists and there's physios and there's first mm. aiders and um, and actually one of our support people, yeah, uh, an A&E nurse, and so that was fantastic. So I got patched up. Uh, was pretty sure nothing was broken. I didn't want anything to be broken, so mm. in my mind nothing was denial. broken. <laughs> it was complete denial. Some good uh, bruises up the whole left-hand side of my body. But, um, no, I... I Uh, Actually, this is really bad, but I was literally lying on the road, and I don't know if any other triathletes do that, this, but I was just looking at my bike going, please don't be broken. (laughs) (laughs) Please be able to work. Like, have I, you know, and that's so bad. And then, of course, turn the garment off, you know, it was just all of that. And I thought, oh, 
Yeah, no, I'm still normal. I'm, I'm normal. I'm yeah. sure other people do exactly that. So anyhow, I um, so back to that. Um, I was sore. Um, but actually, no, we went for a run straight after. We did. We went round around Cape Fowen, and you, you ladies, she's got uh, Nick over in the corner, our pink jersey uh, leader at the stage, going into the final day. They were quizzing me. Okay, so how do we do these seven by one k's? So you, <laughs> you can do seven by one k, and you get. Three points if you're within 15 seconds, I think it is, of your uh, 10k race pace. And I think, I think you get two points if you're within 25 seconds of your cap pace. And you get one point if you're within 35 seconds. And these ladies were quizzing me on day two, how do I get these 7 by one ks in? And I mm. said, well, you can, this run we're doing, it's like four or five k's in the trails, and then it's flat back to our accommodations. So they, they said, can we put them in there? I said, yep. So I was like... This is day two. We've just done a bloody max effort <laughs> aquathon. We've done a uh, we've done a bike TT, and then you guys are going to go bang it out, and then, and then they just started a bloody snowball, and everybody jumped on it, myself yeah. included. Yeah. And uh, everyone was doing the seven by one k's, and it worked out quite well. Yeah. And do you know what? I came literally within one second <laughs> when the maths was calculated <laughs> out, and I um yeah I was so happy. But actually, so just back to the accident, I think going for the run just like pumped the blood through my body you know and I, f- I felt good like I actually think running after that accident was really good mm. as opposed to sitting on a chair and being bandaged up I don't know yeah um yeah so um so, so eight days down yeah um, eight days down roller coaster yep. I've had two really hard days um now I'm just trying to remember them it was the oh, the they were the hilly days. Actually, yesterday was quite hard going over the Crown right. Range. I'm not going to lie. The pinch at the start and the pinch at the end. Yeah. I did not enjoy the Crown Range. I mean, it was bloody horrible. And it was hot. Like, yeah. that was – that was. would that have been one of our hottest days? Well, we had tailwind, so you're climbing, and we had, I don't know, maybe 4 or 5K of, of sort of 3, 4, maybe 5% climbing. Uh but you had a tailwind, so you didn't cool off. It wasn't crazy hot, and yeah. then it kicks up to sort of probably ten percent for a few k's. And yeah, it was it was wasn't hot, but it was hotter than what we've been used to. Mm. Actually, I was really pleased um, because Rachel Cunningham said to me at the top, "I'm taking my little jacket. I'm going to put it on because I know I'm going to mm. cool down." But I got to the top and I was boiling hot, and I was just like, "No, put the little put the little paper jacket on." And I was so happy because that descent was just incredible mm. oh my goodness it was so good and I was warm and if I'd been cold I don't think I would have you know enjoyed it as much mm-hmm. and yeah uh, yeah I just love that descent um yeah so this is this is coming down the crown range you're heading towards Arrowtown and Queenstown absolutely stunning I got stuck behind a bloody sheep shark so I, I just pulled <laughs> over and thought bugger this I'm not smelling shit all the way down this hill um and then then cracked on with it um so probably the crashes the, the low lights um and yeah, do you know what it 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 happened? And um, for me, I just thought other people have this all the time, you know. And um, I was determined to get to the end, and um, and it was kind of a mental thing for me, almost a um, a challenge. I don't know. Like I, I actually, I had this moment where I thought. 
I don't know that I'm going to get to the end of camp, but mm. I want to get through as many days as I can before this elbow gets infected. Mm. And so I just <laughs> kind of like pin my ears back. And probably yesterday I thought, uh, or no, after we went to um, the after hours in Wanaka, they said this could go either way, Anna, and they've got me on the um, antibiotics. And I was just like, no, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. And I literally went to sleep that night and thought, okay, I'm going to wake up in the morning and this elbow is going to be infected or it's not and she was good to go and um yes i was so happy and then i um got it seen again today and the the gore a and e people at the gore a and e were like i cannot believe you had this six days ago and you've been riding in 180 k's of rain today and Mm. it's looking as good as it is and i'm just like man i feel great so it's you know uh so we're just about done what what are you going to take away from this camp uh in terms of whether it be mentally, physically, or highlights that, that are actually going to help you with your tri racing, you know, hopefully this the whole experience is really awesome. Mm. But is there anything you're going to take away going, shit, I didn't know I could do that, um, oh. and I'm going to take that into my racing? Shit, I did not know I could do. Well, I've done eight days in a row, mm. hard out. Um, I've done four, mm-hmm. but I've not gone beyond four. And so this is double that. And um, I cannot believe that I can do a 10K run in the morning, do a 180K bike ride, and then go off and do another 5K run. And actually felt good on that 5K run. Mm. Like, um, this is day eight. That was what I did today. I'm like, if you had told me I could have done that, Mm. I I wouldn't have believed it. So I feel great. That's what we like to hear. Awesome. Oh, final day tomorrow. So good luck with it. Stay upright, and we'll have uh, we'll have your drinksies tomorrow night. Yeah, sounds good. Hey, that one thing I didn't mention is the absolutely remarkable people that mm. come on these. They're they're just so inspirational, and the banter, and you know, you're riding with someone for seven hours. You cover some topics. <laughs> you do. You do. We, we, however, in the front group, we've got the code of silence. <laughs> so the front group takes off. You say a couple of words at the aid stations, and there's a code of silence the rest of the way through. But we kind of, we, we, we get it. Hey, there wasn't much banter today in the rain. Today was probably the quietest of the days. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for your time, Anna. Thank you. Okay, we're still on uh, day eight. Just hold that up uh, like at that sort of angle there, Graham. Mm-hmm. And we've got Graham Woodward from uh, part of Team Christchurch. But tonight we did a uh, mixed, we did a relay at the pool. So we've got th- uh, 30 athletes, including me, on the camp, plus five or six support crew. Um, and we've sort of got a bit of a spread. We do have uh, a big cohort from Wellington, a big cohort from Christchurch, and then we've got a few others sort of spread around the country. So we did a relay where I think we had maybe three teams from Christchurch. It was 4 by 25 freestyle. We had, I think, two teams from Wellington, and then we had, I think, two teams from the rest of the country. And they cleaned us out. Uh, no thanks to Graham. Uh, is, is swimming is um, you, you can tell us about your swimming. So we've got Graham Wood, would tell us a bit about yourself and and your sort of athletic background, swimming, biking, and running ability, and sort of where you sort of fit in. Yeah. Uh, so thanks, John. Yeah, swimming is definitely not my strong suit. So mm. I was I was a handicap to one of the <laughs> <laughs> one of the Christchurch teams. Yeah. Uh, I, I put in a solid effort, but yeah, it wasn't good enough on the night. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, I kind of became an accidental uh, triathlete when I uh, was into mountain biking, endurance sort of events, kind of needed a bit of training. Um, I moved to the UK and joined a tri club and kind of, uh, yeah, accidentally became uh, 
a triathlete that way. Yeah. The, the Brats, was it? Is that where you started um, or not? Bad try. Bad so try, it's, sorry. Um, Bristol and District uh, Triathlon. So they're, uh, they introduced me to uh, triathlon and, yeah, it was a great club. So shout out to uh, my friends in Bristol that yeah. are part of that club. Yeah. I used to live in Bristol as well myself. Um, Speed-wise, where do you sort of fit in Fit in, in terms of maybe half Ironman? I think, I'm not sure if you've done an Ironman, but tell us no, a bit about no, half no. Ironman well, sort of pace. <laughs> I'm never going to step up to an Ironman because um, <laughs> running's not my strong suit either. And uh, 21K running is, I think, probably as, ma- as much as a human being was supposed to run. <laughs> 42Ks, <laughs> well out of my envelope. So, um, yeah, so half Ironman. No, I, I like I like challenge myself for half Ironman. I've got to sort of get through the swim. Um, you know, I'm, I think I'm fairly competitive on the bike. Um, you know, I, I, I do sort of um, sub three hours on a fairly hilly course like uh, Challenge Wanaka. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, just uh, try to do what I can to bring it home in the run. <laughs> nice. But you kind of dabble in a whole bunch of other things as well. You do a bit of cross-country skiing and mm-hmm. you certainly sound like a fairly keen mountain biker as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I just have a passion for the great outdoors. Um, yeah, I'm not super competitive. Um, you know, we're all, you know, you wave a red flag to a bull and, and, mm. and you, you step up and have a go sometimes. But um I, I just love being out there, out and exercising, great outdoors, staying fit. So yeah, um, being yeah, particularly like uh, you know, skiing is is just getting up in the mountains. Uh, my first experience this year going backcountry skiing with a helicopter, mm-hmm. getting lifted up to a remote hut in the middle of nowhere, and just going out backcountry skiing every day. That was that was just awesome, and the the scenery in New Zealand is just superb. As as we've seen through this trip. Mm. what we can see of it today we didn't see a lot of it though. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty spectacular coming through we left uh, we came down the what did I, I think i probably said this earlier on sort of the eastern side of lake wakatipu and i've never been on there it was it was pretty spectacular um you've done quite a few bike tours you know you've been over to sort of through the pyrenees with mm-hmm. shout out to pyrenees multi-sport um and then you've been through the Dolomites and mm-hmm. things like that. When you're doing those sort of tours, how does that compare to what, what we've been doing? Not as full on. We, mm. we typically end the day with, you know, a, a casual beer kicking in back at some, uh, you know, nice uh, nice pub or, or, or something by a lakeside. Or, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we don't sort of, um, you know, shower and then straight into a run or, or a mm. swim. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah you, you're definitely uh, challenging us here, uh, John, which is, you know... Uh, the the goal of a training camp, right? To uh, exactly. yeah, get some quality training in. Um, and why did you sign up? Well, I foolishly thought it was a training camp, and <laughs> and you see, uh, I'm 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 doing your um half Ironman Oxman event yeah. just just out of Christchurch uh, in in December, and thought this would be a great opportunity to train. Um, perhaps even start my training. <laughs> then then I quickly caught on to the fact that this is a kind of training camp you've got to train to actually make the start line. Yeah. 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 So, uh, okay. Um, now, at the early stages of the camp, you kind of, you were setting off in sort of one of the middle groups and then you've still, you're, as you progress probably the second half of the camp, you've been uh, hanging with the, the, the speedier group. Um, why did you want to do that and, and how has the experience differed between the two groups when you were kind of the, the bigger dog in the, in the middle group and it sounded like you are doing quite a bit of pulling um, on the front and then you come into the other group, you know, contrast those different experiences. Yeah, well, just to correct you a bit there, John, I did actually start in the faster group on the first day. Uh, the 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 yeah. up to climb up to St Arnold. Uh, for the first half of the day, it was 
pretty full on actually, and I tried tried to hold the wheel of Tyrone up a few of the hills. And, first uh, mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, first mistake, as you said. Um, I was kind of saved a little bit when I had a puncture. Um, yeah. I had, I had a, um, a, a tubeless tire, sort of started squirting out a lot of latex, and mm. it wasn't, wasn't going to uh, it wasn't going to last for long. So. Um, that gave me a good excuse to drop back and and um, and just cycle in gently with um, uh, two of the guys that were in, in sort of in a slower bunch, um, and then we woke up the next day and the weather was foul and mm. I really had no desire to try to you know push the envelope and and hang on the back of the fast guys in such weather. Um, so yeah, it was it was actually um, really good to save the legs a bit and then um, yeah my. My relative strength when it comes to riding is, is hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we were kind of going down Buller Gorge and sort of through some of the flatter country, um, yeah, it was, it was better to, uh, to not, not, uh, not push myself into the, uh, into the red zone trying to hang on the back of, of, of the powerful guys. Because, yeah, Cause, yeah what, do, what do you weigh? You're, you're one of the smaller guys? What are you? What are you yeah, about 67. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, and highlights for you as you've been going through the country you know um what's what's been the the highlight for you oh, there's, there's so much i mean it's just just been fabulous countryside we've been going through but probably that day when we um came down off Haas pass and mm. and went around the northern reaches of lake wanaka and then up over i think they call it the neck and down into mm-hmm. lake hawea and um you know, we had to stop a few times and take some photos. It was mm. just too photogenic just to, you know, head down and push on. So, yeah. We had one moment where, uh, so I was pulling a reasonable amount through through that period and I said, uh, I rode past the group and I said, just going up the front, I'm going to just smash it for a couple of minutes and I'll get somewhere I can take a video or a photo. So I'm just drilling it for a couple of minutes and uh, and everybody heard except Graham and Graham's on my wheel <laughs> puffing and panting away. I said, Graham, I'm taking a bloody photo, bugger <laughs> off. And so you did, went back to the group and we got some photos. But again, Kiwis, if you're listening and you get the opportunity to come through that section, as Graham said, through through from Haas, through to Wanaka. Um, I've got to say that the, the chip on the, the roads around here has not been as bad as I recall, especially down the West Coast. You know, if you've done Challenge Wanaka, the chip on there is, you know, it's rough as guts and you're, and you're bouncing away all day long. Uh, we certainly had a, a little bit of that from time to time and today was uh, we had, it was like we are rolling riding on bloody boulders at a couple of places. Um, but by and large, down the West Coast, we've had some uh, really nicely sealed roads. Mm. Um any lowlights, you know, when did, when did you have to sort of dig yourself out of a hole or, or when were you tested the most? Today, the conditions. Mm. Uh, I've just been doing my, my daily blog and uh, checking the historic uh, weather radar mm-hmm. and we went straight through the middle of a big front. Through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right through the middle of it. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, the fast guys decided to put their heads down and get it over and done with. Let, uh, let's just recalibrate that. There was one, fa- well, there was two fast guys that decided to put their heads down, and I wasn't one of them. Well, I, I led early on, and uh, Tyrone decided to ramp things up, followed by your roommate Hamish over here who decided <laughs> to drop the hammer as well. So that, that was uh, a moment where it tested you pretty... Uh, Absolutely. There are a few times when I, I 
contemplated putting up the the, the white flag. Mm. Um, yeah, one one of our team members did, um, uh, and rolled into town five ten minutes after us. The uh, holy hammer got hammered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was close there for a while, but uh, kept on finding a second wind or a third wind or a fourth wind, and uh, yeah, spent a lot of time just watching the back wheel of the bike in front. Yeah. Mm. So what do, what do you do in those moments other than looking at the wheel in front of you? You know, what's sort of going through your mind at that moment where you're trying to, to hang on? Are you focusing on technique? Is it just, come on, Graham, hold it together? Or what, what's sort of going through your mind? Well, a whole bunch of things. But, yeah, the thing that when, when I'm mindful enough, um, technique, yeah, mm. yeah, just, just think about uh, cadence, think about um, being the right gap from the wheel in front. Um, uh, I try to look down the road a bit. Not You know, it, it's it's... It's too easy just to just to completely single-mindedly focus on the wheel in front, and um, but I think it helps if you look like two or three people down the line. Mm. Uh, if you happen to be back that far, I spent a lot of time yeah. on second and third wheel today, and uh, particularly the, uh, Tyrone's not the best windbreak in front of you. <laughs> Tyrone's probably small and Graham, and uh, yeah, and riding the, a time trial bike. Yeah, we had this one moment where Tyrone was. Um, it sort of cranked it up and it was just at that annoying sort of pace that was just a little bit too much for most of us and and uh and it was like i was at the back and it was like ping graham it was on tyron's wheel and he popped out said white flag you didn't white flag it you just kind of let somebody through and next murray ping and then uh it was just like one after the other and the next thing i know i'm on bloody tyron's wheel and i just finished a turn fairly fairly early before um okay uh what else did i have for you graham um Today's events, we did some some swim events. Tell us about your your swim events today. It was a, we had kind of had a funny fun evening. We started off with a ten k run this morning in Arrowtown, which was beautiful, despite there being a mini mutiny in the camp, which I think I thought t- talked about earlier on. Not a mutiny, but I had a, ideas for another ten k run, and nobody wanted to join me, so I joined everybody else. Um, we did an easy ten k run, and then we did a hundred and eighty k bike, and then we did a some swim events. So, t- so talk us through your swim events. Well, you know, as I said, swim's not my strong suit. Um, mm. So the the best part of the swim events was during the other heats, soaking in the hot pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that, was, that, that did wonders for the legs, yeah. Um, <laughs> Just spin that around, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, you did an IM. Uh, so we had a 100 yeah. IM mm-hmm. choice. We had a 200 IM choice. Uh, that was 100 or 200. Did you choose the, the I chose the 100, yeah. 100. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I... I, I, I I knew the IM was coming, <laughs> uh, and I was rather fearful of the prospects of the butterfly. <laughs> and and you were too generous to us, John. You you, you let us cheat the butterfly. Yeah, I gave people <laughs> the option of doing a sort of head up freestyle, sort of water polo style, um, but it was still pretty entertaining. Yeah, yeah, it, it it made it it made it achievable. Let's say, mm. um, yeah, I it still was uh, <laughs> far from near, far from the pointy end, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was a, it was a fun event. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we backed that up with a hundred meter kick. How did the hundred meter kick? Hundred meter kick went surprisingly well because kick is definitely not something I'm uh, good at. But um, normally, when I'm doing kick drill in in a normal squad, I, I take a break every twenty five just to break mm-hmm. it up and just to get my breath again and reset. Well, you don't have that option in the hundred meter. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I actually please. Pleased with my effort there. I, I paced myself and made it through the whole hundred. And surprisingly, I wasn't the last to the wall. And you were actually, and we had a before the swim, we did a wall sit. Uh, so you know, when you've got to sit against the wall with your knees at right angles, you did particularly well in that. Uh, 
why why was that? Is that something you've uh, had a strong sort of uh, background in, or what made you so good uh, well, at that? Well, not wall sitting per se, but I'm a telemark skier, so I'm right. I'm yeah. used to used to doing a lot of lunging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, some of the I I I tapped out. I'd be lucky if I made one minute, maybe maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, Graham did great. I think you were second in the boys. I think ah uh, third. I think third. in the boys. Yeah, so fourth overall. Yeah. Gareth Holbrook took that out, uh, and then I think maybe Ian, Ian maybe. and then yeah. yourself yeah. And, yeah. and Frida from the North Island. Uh, little did we know that she's got a wall sit record of around about nineteen minutes. And so I, did, I wanted to get on with the swim. So I said, right, oh, you guys win. Um, okay, and then we finally had the underwater swim as far as you can underwater. How far did you get roughly in the underwater oh, swim? 22, 23 metres, a little bit shy of a full length, but yeah, yeah I solid. was pretty impressed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on a good day I can do a full length, but that's about the limit. I'm pretty mm. impressed by those guys that managed to, you know, get a good... Did, am I right? One of them got two full lengths in? Or? Very close to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think the Mountain Snail and myself got a length and a half in a 25 metre pool. I think Tom uh, from Wellington, he was pretty close to two lengths. Mm. So two lengths is a... You get a gold star if you do two lengths. It's a good effort, uh, especially given the state we're in. Mm. Awesome, I heard, great. I heard a, a bit of a whisper in the change room afterwards that one of them actually used to be a free diver, so maybe oh, that's their secret. <laughs> Wouldn't have included if I knew that. <laughs> Awesome, Graham. <laughs> Thanks for your time and uh, good luck for the final day tomorrow. And I uh, assume and hope we see you at the top of Bluff Hill. Plan to be there, John. Cheers. Right. Thanks. Thank you. So day eight was done. Day eight was done and everyone was apprehensively looking, not apprehensive, they were thinking, we're um, sweet the next day. Oh, and then Bluff Hill. And so you I know, saw no, your photo no, on no, YouTube. you get up in the next morning and you see a oh, sunny weather. day. You're thinking, this is easy. And it's weird when you get up in the morning and you've got, what did we do that morning? Did we do a run? I can't even remember. No, we had a run. We got this. All we had to do was a 112k bike. And when you say all we had to do was a 112k bike, most of the time when you're at home, 112k bike is it's a still a decent old ride. You yeah. know, you're out there for a few hours. But I had to walk in the park. Everybody's attitude was, oh, it's only 112k's. Yep. And uh, we had a short run off the bike, plus we had Bluff Hill. So it ended up being a 150k bike, I think, for me. Uh, it turned out to be quite different we got drilled by the wind uh during that ride and it ended up being probably one of the hardest rides of the entire camp so uh but anna anna was great she as you heard she had a crash on day three and then she had to she went to the doctor several times after that because it was a seriously deep wound uh and potentially could have needed to get some stitches and when you're getting wet every day with a big gash in your and it was right on her elbow and um, there was a, the concern that it was going to get really badly infected and then she'd be on antibiotics etc but she just boxed on you know she was pretty cut up when it first happened but then um, carried on and didn't really moan about it and and one of the things she couldn't do was swim later on in the camp um, so she was always right what do I do to replace the swim and she'd have to go out and do a you know five or ten k run or an extra 30k bike uh, so good on her and Graham Woodward he was out running last night with us and yeah he's that guy that he some guys know how to hold a wheel and he was one of those oh, guys really? that, yeah. no matter what uh, well not, not no matter what but he would hold a wheel for a long time he knew how to look through the pack and hold on for dear life when he popped he popped but uh, he was very good at holding a wheel 
Very good here. And let's, we've, got also, we've got some more interviews coming up. We have. So this is after day nine. So uh, these interviews were uh, pre and post dinner. So I really wanted to have a chat to Tracy Barr, who was uh, one of the groupettos. So they were at the tail end of the camp. You know, these uh, she hasn't done nine men before this camp. She'd only done, and I probably say this in the interview. You know. A couple of rides of 150k, and to back that up with multiple rides, and you know she was in that group that were probably their Ironman times are probably sort of six to towards six and a half hour for for an Ironman bike time um, if they were to do one, and she was one of the captains of the Gruppetto. Followed up with uh, Mandy Hancock, who I really want to have on. You guys have heard John Hancock, the mountain snail, so many times. Brought his wife Mandy along, so I was desperate to have a chat to, to her. Um, and then Luke Parker, who's a patron of the show, have a chat to him. And then finally, finally rounding it out with good old the Colonel, Kylie Cox. You call her the hot chick. Other people call her all sorts of things. Uh, <laughs> <I'm picking up. laughs> but she was one of our support crew, and so we've got her on as the uh, the final interviewee. It's a backhanded compliment. No, she was. Well, <laughs> Other people call it all sorts of things. Well, you can call it now. She's <laughs> proved her worth on this camp. She can reverse a trailer, uh, drive oh, a nice. minibus, and nice. reversing trailers, I am not very good at that. Oh, I love reversing a trailer. I'm really good at reversing Takes a trailer. Takes quite a bit of skill. She did that. She's got the massage on her side. She's got... Uh, she loves the chicken. the salad queen. So she's got uh, lots okay. of strings to her bow okay. now. <laughs> good. She's invaluable. Oh, you see digging yourself out of that hole. <laughs> Here we go. Here are some more interviews. Righty-ho, um, you might get a little bit of background noise now because Epic Camp is done and dusted and we're now, where are we, we're at, what does that say up there? What is Embers. That? Embers, we're at the Embers Bar, we're at uh, the Ascot Court, Ascot Court Motels I think it is, a uh, nice place and we're about to get ready for dinner but we're going to do a few interviews beforehand. I've got a pint of Emerson's in front of me as well as a glass of red wine, so I'm double fisting. Uh, and we're not going to do too many interviews once we get uh, chirpy. But I've got Tracy Barr with me, who's completed the camp, Yay. which is awesome. <laughs> uh, so Tracy was one of the, the captains in the Gruppetto. Uh, and I said at a meeting last night, I said the Gruppetto did awesome. Um, so Tracy, tell us a bit about yourself first. Um, you sort of your athletic ability, where you sort of your journey to, to getting to Epic Camp. Uh, so I started triathlon about four years ago. I think I've managed six, maybe seven, seventy point threes in that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, back of the pack, just managed. Oh, oh well, mid, mid to back. I <laughs> okay. wouldn't say back. Maybe maybe two thirds. Actually, you got a podium. Where did you get a podium? Was it Wanaka last year or was it Oxman? Oxman. Oxman. Oxman last year. Yep, so that was my first sub six hour, 70.3, and then uh, topped it off at uh, Taupo, 70.3 in March. So, yep, done two sub sixes now. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, to get here, yeah, I've made it, uh, but it was hard work. Very hard um, work. What were you feeling on day one, or maybe the week leading into the, to the camp? You kind of knew what you were getting yourself into, but what were, you, what were your feelings like? I think the hardest thing in my head was, was I going to make it? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of riding, as you know, I hadn't done much more than about 150 on my bike previous to uh, the last few weeks warm up. Uh, I managed to do about 160 uh, over mm-hmm. to Akaroa return before that. So when I'm looking at 150k a day plus, yeah, freaking out. So text a few people, am I going to do it? Asked you, am mm-hmm. I going to do it? Um, Day one on the camp was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big climbing, uh, lots of sunshine. 
uh, and yeah, was just mainly focusing each day and trying to get through it. But yeah. Um, and it was a test for me as well, to be honest, for you guys to be on the camp. There was the likes of yourself and Jeff, uh, and who else? We have maybe Grant and a few others, because we, uh, you guys, are the first people to actually experience Epic Camp that haven't been sort of at least mid to front packers, um, yeah. which has been awesome. And I had some trepidation as well. As I was pretty sure you guys can make it, yeah. as long as your body would hold together. So how, how did your body sort of hold together? Uh, with a lot of glue, yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, I think, what about day three when we got to Haast, I crumbled. A um, lot in the mind. Big, big mm. head game, I think. Um, and it was just, yeah, nutrient rescue every morning, butt butter, OMR rubs, massages, just everything uh, extreme endurance mm -hmm. I think that got me through basically four in the morning four at night yeah um, but yeah I just I don't I don't know how I did it I honestly I, I don't know how I made it but I have so but what was your mindset each morning um, you know, uh, get to, to get through yeah, yeah. it was that it was just it was it yeah yeah if I started I had to finish so mm. few dark moments um, biggest one today yeah. Uh, got got dropped as we put our rain jackets on and 40k into a headwind at 10k an hour yeah. looking I had four hours to go on my own in the middle of nowhere and mm. I keep seeing oh I probably spent two hours of not seeing anybody no vans no nothing yeah and I saw Dave's van it was like I'm gonna get in I'm gonna get in I'm gonna get in and I pulled up beside him and he just nah wasn't having a bar of no, it. No. I didn't even mention it to him. I'm like, he goes, how far have you got to go? And I'm like, oh, 24. Well, I just had to do it. Cool. So it was in my head. I'd started. I had to get there. And I think everybody else, like with all your Facebook, with all your Strava, everyone's watching you. And I don't give up easily. So, cool. yeah. yeah. Um, so that was obviously a, a low light, a bit of a low light today. Um, and the problem we had today was everybody let their guard down, myself included. Oh, yeah. We started the day, and this is stupid, you think, oh, I've only got 112 k's, it's like far out, 112 k's most of the time is a pretty long ride. Yeah. And then uh, we didn't really investigate the weather forecast as thoroughly as we should have. It was blue skies, happy days, the group's starting together, everyone's in good spirits, and then we just got slammed by this uh, headwind from hell. And <laughs> I've been to Kona enough times to know what kind of proper winds is like and today we oh. had proper Kona style winds except it was bloody freezing with Kona style winds and you've got you know over wind, a thousand rain, kilometres hail. and we yeah. missed the hail somehow we dodged <laughs> that bullet yeah. <laughs> um, okay so you had a rough moment there I know you had a rough moment on, a, on one of the other days yeah Haast, Haast. going into Haast yeah yeah, yeah. Um, how did you get yourself through those days some awesome people in front of me, mm. Pete, Steve, um, just wouldn't let me, didn't want me off the back, Go. stayed with me, um, got me through to the next aid station, then Mountain Snail got me on, said I'll follow you home, mm. um, and it's, yeah, just dark, dark times, it was like, <laughs> I don't, I ran out of swear words today, I ran out of songs to sing in my head, I even got to ACDC, couldn't remember words, but it's just the guys in, in the group, like, jumping on the back after yesterday, pouring with rain, we're with the fast group, 
I was slipping off the back. Pete just mm. came up, hand on the back. Mm. Don't you dare drop off. He just yeah. sat behind me the whole way. So just everybody looked after me. They all knew Brilliant. how hard I was pushing to get to the end, and yeah. it was just fantastic. It was just Brilliant. the group was awesome. So. So what are you going to take away from this uh, that you can sort of use? in racing and just in life in general <laughs> 90k oxman is going to be easy yeah, exactly. <laughs> i can't wait yeah. but um just i am so surprised at what i've been able to do mm. i just never in my life did i think i'd be sitting here to say that i have done every run that you've set me every mm. swim chucked in a bit of butterfly i've just i've managed Whatever you set for the whole camp, I have not given up. I've not got in that car. I've walked a couple of times. I walked yeah. a K up to the Crown Range. I probably walked about 750 metres of the half half pass. Yeah. But I did it. Great. Yeah. So. Um, highlights for you of the the journey. Just what an awesome group. Mm. Just everybody has from day one gelled. We're all sitting here now, laughing, joking. I mean, you've you've made friends for life. It's mm. just so well organised you've done awesome John the support crew have just been there for us the whole time I don't know how many times Ken's had to sit behind me climbing um, and Kathy's out of the van what do you want what do you need but just unreal just organised down to a T you knew what you were doing every day everything's written down in front of you and just made life so much easier you didn't have to think other than getting on your bike and getting to the next stop and it's, yeah. brilliant yeah. Uh, in the swim events, they were, they were a bit of a, you were a bit of a bit of a dominator in the swim <laughs> <Yeah>. events. <laughs> I know that was the only thing I did want to do, but um, yeah, been practicing a lot with my butterfly. So so yeah. we had last. I don't think I've done. I'm not sure if I've done the interviews since the swim events. We did a an individual medley challenge. We did a hundred meter kick. We did an underwater race and a wall sit. And a, and, a, and a relay. Team Canterbury didn't do so well on the relays. Well, no, it was close. Tyrone brought it home pretty strongly. Uh, but you did particularly well on a couple of races. Uh, yeah, did, so, Nadia, um, Nadia was a dominator well, yeah. in the cat. No <laughs> she, one got close. She did that, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, So because I've been practicing my IM mm-hmm. uh, for quite a while. So Lee and I were fighting it out, but she did the non-butterfly first ah. 50 so she did say at the end Tracy I can give you that one because I actually did the butterfly for the for the full and you so. did a, a, how much butterfly did you do so we had a butterfly challenge and the idea there was if you're a good swimmer really good swimmer it was 200 meters and then it was sort of pegged back based off a predicted or, or actual Ironman time so some people had to try to make 100 um, and then every every 25 you got over your target then you got a bonus point so you went so, over your target yeah so my aim was 100 uh, I was aiming for 150 unfortunately just as I was getting to the end of the 125 I took on water so <laughs> right, I, I got 125 and then did the, the last, last 25 as backstroke but still gave me 1.25 points so Great. pushed me right up there so yeah no I was quite happy excellent you've had a fantastic camp and uh, racing is going to be a whole nother level yeah. for you now. Yeah, now I've just got one day off before you start me all over again. Yeah. Exactly. Well done, brilliant. Thanks, John. Okay, uh, you guys heard earlier on in the camp from the Mountain Snail, who tonight got an award for swimming 550 metres of butterfly, which was an epic camp record by Crazy Proportions. He's just said a couple of kind words at our sort of uh, mini awards post in it, and I've got his lovely wife Mandy Hancock along with us as well. So welcome along, Mandy. Tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you, John. Um, well, I don't have an athletic 
background as such. I mean, at school I did this and that, but mainly tennis and hockey. But when I was at university, I did start doing half marathons and what have you, and only was introduced to triathlon when I met John. And John is so, Mountain Snail is so passionate about um, Ironman and half Ironman and what have you. I just couldn't help but be uh, sucked along and uh, into it. So I've done a few half Ironmans. They've been great fun. Uh, but really, my th- the thing I prefer is mountain biking, and I do a lot of that. Um, but I came on this camp because uh, our son has recently left home, and uh, we figured we could uh, do a holiday together and that's uh, why I came on this camp and it's been magic, really wonderful. Holidays, I, l- I like it when people say if it, if it came as a holiday. Um, <clears throat> so your biking pedigree is pretty strong, like you were, you were generally sitting in the, the front of the, the second group, have you, have you done much riding, much you know, group road riding before or has it mainly been off-road stuff? Mainly off-road, um, years ago I rode round Taupo a few times, you know, in that race before it became too big to manage. But, um, you know, I, I mainly do off-road, yeah. The, the group, the, the road biking thing, it's too intense, my goodness. <laughs> you know, when people put the hammer down, I think, good grief, and I just can't keep up. But it's been a fun week. So, so contrast for us, let's say you're going, so we have an event in New Zealand called the Pioneer and you, you've done other sort of ultra mountain biking type races, contrast how that is compared to say what we've done this week in terms of um, whether it be the intensity or the concentration levels required, so what's sort of the difference between ultra riding on a mountain bike compared to ultra riding on a road bike in a group? Yep, so I did the Pioneer this year, um, and the, the difference between that and riding in a group on the road um, is the, 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 the technical aspect, I, I would say, the rootiness, rockiness, you know, steep up, steep down, and um, your ability to keep up, it's really to do with your technical uh, bizu and not your intensity just on the road mm. and I find I do run out of puff on the road after about 100k and on the Pioneer on BCBR um, in Canada and what uh, and whatnot um, I'm, I'm still okay I'm still with the um, with the good people after a couple of hours but not on the road after 100k I just can't keep it up You were out of the blocks this morning though so today we started as, uh, as one um, we left a place called Gore and we rode to the bottom of South Island uh, to Bluff and we all took off as one the reason we did that is because part of the group were going to go up uh, a little diversion up Bluff Hill and part of the group weren't going to do that and uh, I'm sort of riding along and uh, sort of riding towards the front group and then you just came blistering up the outside <laughs> and got straight on the front of the next group. Well, what had happened a few minutes before is that we'd gone the wrong way and that yes. our garments had been saying left and it was actually straight on. So we'd gone left and then I thought, you know, I've lost uh, uh, Shane and Rachel and the, the rest of our group. And then I saw them ahead of you and I was quite happily sitting there thinking, hmm. And then I just I had to go up to them because I thought you know I want to be with them for the day yeah and then it turned out I changed my mind and decided to (laughs) ride with John um with mountain snail for the day 
and I'm not sure if that was the right decision because then the the wind came in and um, it was a pretty uh, miserable couple of hours, I must admit. <laughs> it was a day. I don't think anybody really enjoyed that few hours. So just from your point of view, you know, you came on with, with John in terms of having some time together. Is it kind of, and, and I was here with my wife as well, has it sort of panned out what you guys wanted to do together? Like, um, obviously, you, you probably didn't ride that much together, but you had plenty of time together in the evenings and stuff like that. Has it, has it kind of been what you wanted to get out of? And, and maybe what advice would you give to other couples that might be considering something like this? Oh, it's been really great, you know. And as you say, we didn't ride a lot together. Um, but it's, it's we ran a bit together, I must say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, we had fun in the swimming pool together, uh, last night and, and, and earlier in the week so I would say just do it because even if you're different abilities um, you can share the experience and then have have fun in the evening chatting about the different uh, challenges you've had in the day and and the different you know setbacks that you've overcome or the um, uh, uh, you know, great things that have happened. It's it's been great. The people here are really fantastic. Yeah. So I've, I've asked pretty much everybody the same question. Um, for you, highlights and and lowlights. Well, I think today might have been a low light. That wind, um, you know, because we woke up thinking, oh, 112 k. How hard could that be? And we lulled ourselves into a false sense of security and thought. You know, we'll just roll into bluff and it'll all be um, straightforward. So that was a low light, I must say. That wind mm. was um, uh, making my bike vibrate and it was just, <laughs> you know, a bit problematic. Um, but the scenery of the the ride over the Hast Pass mm. has to be a highlight. It is unbelievable when you uh, change from that rainforest um, on, on, on that side of the hill and you come over... Um, into the uh, central Otago uh, and the plains that was just wonderful the mm. scenery and the people yeah. scenery and the people I certainly yeah. got a bit of whiplash on that, those days we were riding through um, as, as Mandy said sort of through these rainforests and uh, you just hear this thundering coming down you're going what the hell Where, where's that coming from and you just turn to the side and there's this amazing waterfall just cutting this bloody crevasse into the into the side of the bushes and uh if you're driving a car you would have just boom gone straight past That's it right. by bike it was it was incredible so you and i have both got probably the the sim- similar sort of highlight <laughs> in terms of ride duration um in the mountains now you know a lot of the listeners will have heard his name come up and over and over again because he's a, a regular contributor he i think he was sporting Three different IM Talk Gears uh, bike jerseys. He had the, the the fancy new yellow one. He had the the collector's edition blue one, and he had the black one. Um, it looks like he's really enjoyed himself uh, and taken up a big big challenge. So, yeah, he certainly you, has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Team Wellington, yeah, seemed to do a good job. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, it was so good to have so many of us, um, and they were all, um, you know, great riders, great team players everyone just got in behind each other and supported each other marvelous and they took out both the re- uh, the yellow for overall leader and the pink jersey so oh very strong us cantabrians need to pick up our game next year <laughs> so mandy thanks for coming along it's been great having you along and uh along with team wellington and the mountain snail so well, uh, good work thanks for having me see you later we're nearly done for the camp but we've got uh, one of our patrons of the show luke and i'm um, 
is it Full Metal Jacket or something like that, Parker? I think I'm, um, oh, what is it? It's something to do with the jacket. Yeah, it is. To do with the Parker, I can't yep. remember. Yeah, but yeah. So Luke had a fantastic camp. Um, I said uh, we had a little presentation before. I said his knee's about the size of a pumpkin halfway through the camp. <laughs> yeah. So Luke was contending for the yellow jersey. He was right up there with uh, Tyrone and Tom, uh, doing extremely well. And the one thing that I remember, we we climbed over the Crown Range, which um, he had a good, really good ride. I had an absolute misery up there. And uh, you got to the top, and you said. John, I think I'm out for running, my knee's buggered, I think that's me done. And then the next thing I hear, Luke's carried on, he's gone up Crown Range to a ski resort and then he's come back down and I think he maybe even tacked on to 200 and, I don't know, some, some crazy distance when the minimum was only 60. Uh, so you had a pretty good camp, so, so well done. Maybe just tell us a bit about yourself um, first up, you know, your, your athletic background. Um, yeah, I guess I sort of... Had uh, done more of an off-road background, multi-sport, um, done coast-to-coast and a few of those sort of events, but I've sort of dabbled in triathlon, as you do, sort of swim, bike, run um, sort of comes with it, so I've done, I think, three half Ironmans um, and a few of your events, the Cedar Sky and Oxman, and oh, not Oxman, sorry, um, Pack and Save and a few things like that, but um, yeah, I guess I just am more of your weekend warrior, just always giving it a go. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit better than a weekend warrior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've just had a chat with one of the with uh, uh, Mandy Hancock, and she had her partner John here as well, and you had yeah. your partner Charlotte, and both of you guys were in contention for the yellow jersey. So, um, well, um, Charlotte was sort of nipping away at the pink jersey. She, she finished in second place. You were right amongst it, second yeah. or third. What was the dynamic like for you guys compared to, I don't know, just everyday life when you're training? Were you sort of egging each other on? Did you discuss sort of the points competition much or anything like that? Totally, yep. Charlotte, <laughs> nice. is, yeah. She's very competitive, Charlotte. She's more competitive than me. So, yeah, she was she was pretty um, always eager to sort of like, how can I get in that? You know, how can I, what can we do here? And so that <laughs> kind of was like, oh, maybe I should try to be a bit more, you know, like try to push for it. So, no, it was good. We talked about it a lot. Very yeah, good. Yeah. Now we've got to get a few secrets out of you first. Um, we had a running race up uh, Mount Ion, which is yeah. uh, in Wanaka. It was uh, we did a little warm up, and then it was about a roughly about a two kilometre climb. It was a trail yeah. run. It's bloody steep. You know, in hindsight, probably could should have been walking. You probably would have walked quicker in a few places, but really, yeah. really steep. And I'm thinking, I'm either going to win this or Tyrone's going to be really fired up and he's going to win it but I should be sweet for second as you know in terms of the running ability I was confident I was better than everybody else and then uh, running along and Luke's just laying it down on me and gets his big <laughs> lead on me on the steep uphill so what's your secret to, to uphill running? I don't know. I, I think I, might, I, I blew up near the end because you passed me. Yeah, but that was a flatter yeah, section. Yeah. You nailed it on the steep side. Um, I don't know. I just just pushed hard, just just deep breaths and just just dig deep. I was taking quite large strides. Yeah. And um, just trying to just push, you know, just just dig yeah. deep. It was sort of more of a mental battle than if anything, because your heart rate's so high. I, <laughs> my heart rate afterwards, yeah. I think I was about 178 or something for most most of that whole 2k. Yeah. So about 11 minutes or something. I was pretty. Yeah zone five but um yeah no nah, i don't know just push myself yeah, yeah I, I i somehow managed to fry my heart rate monitor I, th- I either um need to change my battery which is probably the likely outcome but i put my heart rate monitor strap unfortunately in the washing it went through the wash which that's fine but then went through the dryer and i think that might have fried mm, it yeah. but i totally agree <laughs> no. i think we were at maximum heart rate going up yeah. there 
Um, for you, also, your, your climbing's pretty strong on the yeah. bike. Um, when you're climbing, what's sort of going through your mind? Like, so if the, we, we, we had a couple of, um, not mountain passes, but we had Haas Pass, we had the Crown Range, and we had a few other big climbs. So what's your sort of strategy when you're climbing? Yeah, I sort of just try to sit um, as high as I can, sort of, and relax the, the upper body, and then just grind, just mm. um, particularly the very steep, punchy bits. That's what I quite enjoy. Like, I don't know, kind of enjoy the pain of the mm. climb, which is quite good. Um, for the, the first KOM on Haas Pass, I was, my goal was just to try to stay on Tyrone's wheel. And mm. I, I was right on it for the steep part, and then at, when it flattened off, he, he laid the hammer down. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, was, I guess you, you sort of self-talk yourself or try to keep calm and, and, and deep breaths and... Push, push through the pain yeah um, in the last few days been a little bit of a struggle I haven't sort of seen you in the, yeah. the big boys group so sort of talk us through the last few days for you yeah I think um, personally like I've never ridden at the intensity that we've ridden at that mm. these I've sort of never really done much sort of bunch riding or peloton riding in general really more um, sort of individual cycling sort of stuff or at my own pace but um, I think Especially the the watt bombs and, and the climbing, that's mm. where I feel I've got quite um, tight tight hammies and um, tight quads, and that's sort of just pulled on the kneecap a bit, and that's mm-hmm. really um, really hurt. But I notice that it's particularly sort of dropping back a group, just that um, lower pace doesn't seem to hurt it as much. Um, when we're at the front, this is when I'm up with John. Um, John, you're actually really quite consistent to follow, which is great. That's when mm. a few other people come to the front and then just lay the hammer down. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I was just, oh, I could feel the knee then. So it's just yeah. that um, that sort of what bombs, I guess, is what you call them. Yeah. 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 There was a, there was a, The problem we had in the front group, there was a lack of power meters. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, my power meter was working. I think Tyrone's fried after about the first day. Uh, and then there was there was generally about six or seven of us, and I think we maybe had three power meters amongst yeah, us, and uh, and so those without power meters didn't have a clue what they were bloody doing, and uh, it was all fun and games. There's nothing yeah. nothing uh, no malice in it, but um, yes, there was definitely some pretty big changes in pace. Yeah, from time yeah there to time. wasn't much consistency. That's sort of uh, a lot of surging and. But mm. that's all part of it, yeah. So, um, again, I've asked the same everybody the same questions. Um, highlights and lowlights for you during the camp? I think a highlight for me is just being able to push yourself to a place where you never thought you actually could go. And mm. particularly, like, coming from, like, I, I don't know, just my biggest ride before this was our ride to Akurai, which was 160 k's. Mm. And then um, on two days I've gone to 210 so that's mm. just like, well, 50k's over what I've done previously, and I, and I did that twice. So it's just that's just an example of by, and it's the environment you're in as well. Um, mm. The environment sort of pushes you to better yourself because everyone else is better than themselves. Like sort of everyone else is like, oh, should we should we do go to this distance? And you, why not? You know, like yeah. what what's stopping us? So that would definitely be the mm. highlight. Um, the low light probably is just my injury, but that's sort of not really a low light in its way. The low light was probably <laughs> that headwind today, that last yeah. grind. That was hard. That really um, hurt. Yeah. I think it hurt everyone, though. It, it, was, yeah. it was hard. But it was such a great way to finish because you finished Epic Camp in an epic way. It was mm. such a – it wasn't an easy tailwind to the end. It was a – it was a grind. And the problem we had with the headwind today is, as I've said in a couple of the other interviews, it was extremely strong. It was Kona-style winds. 
But the problem was, most of it, you got no protection if you were anywhere in the pack. It was sort of onto your shoulder. And so sitting third wheel or whatever, it didn't really matter. You're pretty much working the same as the person on the front. There was a few sections where you could sit in and have a bit of recovery. But by and large, you're just getting battered all over the road. People start swerving. Um, and, yeah, we had a few incidents in our group where people very nearly ended up in the ditch. Um, but as you said, it was, it was a great way to finish the camp. Um, what's, your, what's your sort of plan for the season? You know, people like to know what, what racing people are doing. Luckily in New Zealand, we're hopefully going to have a um, you know, full season of racing. So what's, what's your plan? Uh, I've got sort of nothing in the next... Well, actually, sorry, I do. Uh, at the end of November, I'm doing, um, they call it the Kaharangi 500, which is... it's quite similar to what we it's based in Murchison and then you it's a mountain biking event so you it's basically 500 kilometers in three days um mm. on a mountain bike so you start in Murchison Wowzers. and then you head over the old ghost road so to mm-hmm. Lyle um up up the old ghost road um and you sort of have a rest day there uh sort of overnight there then you do the heafy track um Wowzers. and the next day and then you carry on um to Murchison the following day so that's um a big event that's end of November and then my big sort of goal is in March is God Zone, um, mm-hmm. which I know yeah, Kylie his partner's done before, and a few other um, people of the show has done. So, so God Zone's yeah. a multi-day race, probably what three, four days. Yep. Yeah, yeah, up, up to sort of five days if, if you, or the slower, slower teams. But yeah, the um, yeah, it's it's an adventure racing, so it sort of involves kayaking, um, mountain biking, um, hiking. It's sort of all all sort of aspects. And have yeah. you done that sort of stuff before? I haven't. No, so this is my first time. So it's a it's a big challenge. And this, I think, the Epic Camp really sort of showed. I guess you're quite capable of it, and I guess mm. the long hours as well is is particularly what um, I took out of this. So, brilliant, yeah. awesome. Back to work tomorrow or the next day. Back to work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, yeah, tomorrow afternoon I said I'll call in, so yeah. yeah, tidy up everything and yeah. So that's one of the problems we have with Epic Camp, it's a bit like coming off a big Ironman or a big race, is uh, back to reality for all of us tomorrow. So yeah. look, you've done fantastically well on the camp, so well done to you, you and George. Charlotte, yeah. and uh, it's been a pleasure having you here. Cheers, thank you very much. Okay, lucky last. I think for tonight, we might have a few more. We've got Kylie Cox, also known as the Colonel, as uh, what is it, a hot chick, and amongst other things. So welcome along. I mean, Kylie was uh, support crew extraordinaire, so welcome along. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Uh, so Kylie came on our Kona camp last May, and then so Kona camp is a light camp. We do three big days, and then we have three or four fairly easy days leading into the race. And so she kind of applied her trade there and then came on the big kahuna here. Maybe tell us, well firstly, tell us about your athletic background uh, and what you've sort of done on the racing front. Um, Well, I only got into triathlon in about uh, 2014 when, um, after the birth of my second child and I wanted a new challenge, so I wanted to do either the coast to coast or a half Ironman and mm-hmm. I decided that the kayaking was just too much of an issue with time and that swimming would be more of a life skill so I asked if I could do a half Ironman I started training for that and um, yeah kind of just the rest of it is history I suppose just like anyone else. But she has qualified for 7.3 Worlds, went to Nice la- last year, wasn't it? Nice yeah, was last year, year, yep. So, so she's, she's low-balling in the air, she's done very well. Um, 
Contrast your experiences on the support crew between Kona and Epic Camp here in terms of not necessarily your role, but your observations of, of the athletes and what's required of them and, and kind of the differences between two camps. They're quite, uh, they're quite two, two different beasts, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, like I think this, this one has had like you said it's had a range of ability so it's been I think over the course of the week it's sort of separated itself into kind of four distinct groups so mm. that's kind of paced itself out over the course of a day and maybe the tail end Charlie's been a little bit longer than usual but um, they've sort of separated themselves out whereas Kona maybe wasn't quite so extreme like that um, but yeah, just just mammoth days, like really long, long days. And I, t- I take my hat off. Like I, uh, there's been a lot of days where they've come in and I've thought, I, I don't even, know, I don't know if I could do this myself. And mm. being quite happy to be on the other side. It's a couple of days where I've had a bit of FOMO. But um, yeah, just uh, yeah, logistics-wise, the camp's much different. You know, weather-wise, it's been horrible yeah. compared to Kona I'd much rather be in Kona any day but um, yeah like yeah just a spread I think it's been really lucky that you've been able to put on something for so many people so yeah and you, part of your role was triage and main sort of massaging uh, with jack of all trades but massaging was your main remit how have the athletes bodies sort of handled the the load and, and has that changed much on a day-to-day basis yeah I think they this started off like any other camp, but I think by the end of this camp, we've had lots of um, lots of medial knee pain, so lots mm. of inside knee pain from just that sheer volume of um, work on the quads and the ITB and just pulling on the kneecaps. So we've had lots of that in the last three or four days, just trying to get people through a bit of actual actual triage in terms of injury management and taping and yeah trying to just free them up to get on the bike again so that's probably been the difference from a shorter camp Mm. and just the yeah just the sheer volume of riding really but um yeah I definitely I think I've definitely felt my knees more on this camp than than previous ones and I think maybe the difference is when we go to Europe and we're in France you have the you might be climbing for 60 to 90 minutes, but then you've got 20 to 30 minutes of descending on the other side where you get the recovery. Whereas over here, uh, pretty much riding all day. We did do some climbing and quite a lot of it, but it was relatively short and, and then you're back into it and there was quite a bit of grinding because the New Zealand roads are so rough. But having said that, West Coast Council, if you're listening, your roads were awesome, um, really a lot smoother than elsewhere. So I think that was part of the problem: is you're just grinding all day long, and if you let, don't, if you let your cadence slip, it, it became pretty difficult. Um, so what else in terms of um, other things? What, t- talk us through your role on the camp on a day-to-day basis, so people get an understanding of, of what the support crew have to do because it's bloody hard work. Yeah, I mean this 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 trip was much different. The logistics of it moving every single day has been pretty intense. Like there's lots and lots of loading and unpacking. So every athlete's bought a bag that's about 20, <laughs> 25 kilos. So yeah. we've got um, in the support crew, we've got three women and the two men go out on the road. So a lot of the loading and stuff has come down to us. So lots and lots of chili bins. About There's about 10 chili bins and about 
I don't know how many athletes we've got 30 athletes mm. at 20 kilo bags so lots of loading and that's loading and unloading every day so lots of lifting um, my job has been stacking my rig I've been enjoying uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got a bit of a penchant for like trying to pack everything in just a really nice order I think I might have learnt that from my dad like he liked to fit everything in really small areas and be really good with packing and so I kind of pride myself on that so I've, I've had I, a very good system that no one's allowed to touch with my rig so yeah I, lots I, I, of I said to Belinda one day I said I wish I put this breakfast box so we had um, I think we had about 13 or 14 breakfast boxes which you know that's about how many rooms we had and I, I was taking ours across and I said to Belinda I should just chuck this in the trailer she said no 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 Kylie packs a trailer leave it to Kylie yeah. that's fine that's her yeah. domain <laughs> Yeah, I've had a real system for that, so everyone knows it. But but it takes about two or three days to get your roles, and so the support crew, after about two or three days, we've sectioned off into the roles we have. And mm. um, yeah, for the most part, we've worked really well together. So I can't even remember what your original question was. My my role is like to pack and unpack my trailer and my van. I kind of have stayed away from the kitchen responsibilities, so I do mm. packing and unloading. I do have coordinated all the massage, just trying to keep um, Mr. Sausage's seat warm. So, like, just <laughs> just trying to like make him proud and keep his job job rolling. So, just coordinating the massage stuff and um, liaising with those massage therapists we've had coming in each day. And then about three or four o'clock, I mean, I help with the athletes coming in. I like to pride myself on my smoothies, so I do those and um, talk us through the salads. Have we got a cookbook well, coming on the, sa- the salads? salads. We know. probably discussed this in Kona, but Kylie, well, this is, this is, forte is salads. Yeah, this is awkward because uh, quite early on in the piece, I got taken off the salad <laughs> game, and uh, I was a bit shocked to be honest. And then you know later in the piece, I got a chance, so I just tried to roll out a really special one. Don't know if it went that well, but it was bloody tasty. You put a bit of chili in there, yeah, I know. which I, I was liking. But it. you were the only one, right? I know it would have been a long. The the problem on this particular day, it was a, it was my favourite day of the camp. We rode in from Haas to Wanaka, unbelievably sunny day, and we must have been. Yeah, that was the best. That's the most epic, stunning scenery, wasn't it? And we rolled in, and I said to the the team, I said. You know what I think today would be a good pizza you, day. Oh, you did not. That is not your <laughs> idea. That was everyone. That was not his idea. Uh, and uh, so we ended up. We, we got pizzas. They were Domino's pizzas, and normally that is associated with just shitty rubbish <laughs> pizzas. We rolled in, and those pizzas were getting devoured. And uh, I put on my blog later on that evening. There was like a shitty. Um, it looked shitty. It was a gluten-free um, cardboard-looking oh, pizza. Yeah. I oh, just it devoured. Awful, it? <laughs> it was there was three quarters of it left. I devoured it within seconds. And the problem you had, you had the You're salad. About salad. Oh, the, no, salad the salad was up against the pizzas, and I thought I'm going healthy here for at least a couple of minutes. Had the salad. It was great. Loving the chili, and it was. The seeds were good. The girls set off the fire alarm. Even cooking the seeds, they set off a fire alarm. I feel like there's some editing coming oh, in here. No, that, the salad was good, but um, the pizza, un- unfortunately, got prime pa- got yeah, prime it was, pickings. It was a, it was an epic day by the support crew there. But yeah, yeah, I was hoping to launch a salad book after last <laughs> year, but uh, it's probably, might have to wait another year. It's probably gone as well as, as about as well as my I am talk cookbook <laughs> that I was supposed to do about or 15 years ago. On that. Oh God, that was on miserable. That special run. 
Um, so for you, uh, in terms of personal highlights going through the camp, whether that be particular days, particular people, um, what were, were some of the highs for you? And feel free to talk about the lows as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I think that I'm quite lucky. I think as, a, as the massage person, you get that one-on-one time that other people don't get. So mm. I've been lucky enough to probably get out of, was it 30 athletes we've got? Mm. I think I've massaged 26 of them. Mm-hmm. So I've got that time, which I really like, to spend like half an hour with every person kind of finding it and getting to know them and making some connections. So I really like that. Um, and that's that's a highlight for me, even even if it is hard work. But um, yeah, my new BFF's got to be my highlight of the trip. Like your wife my on wife. tour, we, we all had our doubts, but she has been awesome. She yeah, has indeed. Awesome. She certainly stepped up, and yeah. it was a bit nerve wracking beforehand, probably for myself and for you, maybe to a degree. But she has, my wife Belinda does an exceptional job. Yeah, so. and we've had a lot of laughs. We've had um, we've shared the van, you know, the van and the rig, and we've had a lot of laughs. So it's been great. Yeah. yeah. So we had three we had three minivans following us around. So Dave was in one, Doctor Feelgood. We had Ken and Kathy in another, and Belinda and Kylie in the third. So awesome job. Thanks for your help. And uh, you are the final interview of Epic Camp New Zealand 2020. So oh. thanks for your help. Yep. Thanks for having me. <laughs> one one final mention we didn't include is everyone has been impressed, myself included, on Kylie's ability to back a trailer um, because my backing is woeful and yours is exceptional. So what, what's the uh, what's the secret to your success? Oh, yeah, well, um, yeah, we've got a boat. So about three years ago I learned that I had to back the boat if I wanted to take part and just help out. So I've been practising with that and... Um, yeah, I've had had a bit of mansplaining from uh, Dr. Feelgood along the way, but yeah, managed to back the trailer and get a bit of kudos. I'm, so I'm slowly making myself indispensable. indispensable. The salads, the massage, and the trailer reversing. And the humour. And the humour. <laughs> just got to find that fifth one and you've made it. Thank you. Okay, John, your thoughts? That was That's a wrap for Epic Camp. We're so if you do want to come to the one next year... Yes, I've uh, planned that all out now. John, did you see the news today that there might have a, a vaccine? Yeah, yeah. No, well, it's encouraging news. Encouraging, yeah, encouraging, but who knows when the hell that's all going to start. They don't put that crap out that. unless it's kind of... Mm. So it's so anyway, planning for next year, we're doing another epic camp. I put a little vote out to, to the group, said, would you like to do another point-to-point one, or would you rather do a tour of the South? And uh, it was a resounding tour of the South, because the scenery down there is just out of this world. What do you mean? Uh, What's the difference? So we, we would do, the difference is I originally thought I was going to do a length of the North Island because yep. I can't, but it's just too much hard work. There's too many people in the North Island yeah. and uh, and it's just logistically a lot harder for me. So then I was going to do another length of the South Island, but come down a different uh, direction, yep. down the other coastline. But instead, it's going to be a tour of the South. The advantage with that what is do you mean get, it, What's a tour? Well, you just cruise around. You do like a tour of the South, the south the bottom of the South Oh, Island. the South of the South. Oh, South I think of the, the island. Sorry. Okay, no. yep. um, and so we're going to start in Dunedin and finish in Queenstown. And the advantage with this you is. You have a couple of days in the same place. A couple of days in the same place because yep. moving every day mission. is a bit of a mission for the athletes and the support crew. And by going, doing a bit of a tour of the south, um, the south of the south, we can see some amazing uh, scenery. So I haven't got any pricing or anything together yet, but it's going to be the same time of the year, sort of uh, late October. So Aussies, you might be able to come over by then. Who knows? But uh, 
yeah, more news on that soon. But it was an amazing camp. I've got to take my hat off to the the Gruppetto, the slower athletes that uh, boxed on through and proved to me that um, you know speed is uh, one thing, but determination and just plugging away is another. And they can actually do these epic camps. It was bloody impressive. Okay, winger of the week. I'm going to go 38. 38? Yep. So yeah. the Epic Camp crew are not on this list this week. They're probably at the bottom of this list if, they're they're, probably, if uh, they were. So 38. Number 38, Sean Buchner. Oh. He d- I think a lot of people took a bit of a break last week. There's some lower numbers here. But 38, he was 13 hours and 49 minutes from 12 activities, Sean Birkner. He swam 235, um, ran 9 hours and 3 minutes, and he, no, he biked 9 hours and 3 minutes, and then he ran 2 hours and 11 minutes. So good on you, Sean. He's from Melbourne, Australia. He's out of his finally out of, out of lockdown. lockdown. Yep. And, but he was pretty consistent through lockdown. Good old Yeah, short. no, he's done really well, isn't he? If you uh, look at right through all year, really. Yeah. It's been lots of volume. So good on you. Um, yeah. Stoked for you, Melbonians. Melbonians? Victorians? Victorians. It's probably Melbonians. Melbonians. They were bloody harsh lockdown, so I'm glad you guys are out of that. And hopefully you won some money on the Melbourne Cup. That's a big horse race. John, I won money in Melbourne Cup. Did you? Yep. Yeah. We put two dollars on for the win. Yeah, big spend two dollars on for the because we've got friends who are big big horse people. They, they own horses. They actually yeah. got a horse that made them lots of money. Yeah, um, and they were in Melbourne. So we right. sent them a Facebook message and we said, "Who are you picking? Now, who got second? I've got absolutely no yeah, idea. Neither. But this is who we put our money on, and uh, and they just about won as well. Really? But we put four dollars on altogether. Came away at four five eighty. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And today I've got a bet on as well. Because yeah. every year, I always, my classes at the gym, I always make a joke of, I just pull out a random number. I said, guys, you're going to races. Race five, horse eight. Mm-hmm. Now I don't really know. I'm just pulling crap out. But some, some, it's probably one, 50% of the time. Three and 12, that's all you do all day long. Just go do <laughs> horse number three strategy. and 12. <laughs> that's, that's it is a strategy. <laughs> may not be a winning strategy, but it's a strategy. <laughs> Stick to it. It's a vehicle. Because I remember, <laughs> I think I may have talked about this on the show, but Joe's granddad who's passed away, but he was, a, he, was a, he was a casual gambler, gambler every day, but it was a bit like 10 bucks a day. But it, 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 Joe was like, oh, my granddad's a great gambler. And then he told me a strategy. And it, was like, it was something stupid like your strategy. So it's and 3 like, and 12. That's not a strategy. Um, uh, anyway, back to, back to Sean Birkner from Melbourne. Uh, he has done averaging five, five rides a week. Average time per week on the bike is 7 hours and 26 minutes over the last four weeks, so solid stuff. The biggest climb is 1,533 metres, biggest ride 206 kilometres. Predicted times, this is always a bit of a giggle because I'm supposed to do 12 minutes 42 for my 5k. Um, he's a, he's, he's got a predicted time, 1 hour 33 for half marathon. Here we go. Nice work. You are our winner of the week. Of the week. Okay, John, let's go questions <laughs> and answers. And just, just on going back to the Ali versus Rocky Marciona. Yeah. <laughs> oh, everyone's wanting to. So yeah. triathlon related. <laughs> people, just want, people are like, Bevan, tell me more. So I went on Wikipedia. They made $5 million back in 1970 or 1973 mm-hmm. or something like that. So so did actually make some pretty good money because there was pretty big coin back in those days. Um, Ali was almost sued about it because he lost. Mm-hmm. And Marcioni didn't see it because he died. Marcioni died in, I think, in a plane crash. Mm. And, and he was only 46 at the time. So here we go. 
while we do while you're doing something really interesting i'll do my interesting okay, part of the week yep. is uh john swim set i just forgot oh, to put this in the show notes oh, there you go. <laughs> so today's swim we did a thousand meter warm-up which was repeating 150 meters freestyle and then 100 im so 150 free 100 im 150 free 100 im for a thousand and then we did 650s bands only bands only fantastic for working on your catch and then we did 18 times 100 with a little bit of scoreboard pressure so what i mean by that is you're doing them on set time so we did 18 100s we did three on the one minute 40 which is you can make that really comfortably then three on 135 and then three on 130 and so 130s to to get 10 seconds rest for that, you know, you've got to be, for us, working reasonably hard yep. uh, and then repeated that through again. So this way you're not just doing it by effort, you're actually, the, the clock is forcing you to, to, you know, if you swim slower, you're going to get a lot less rest. And then 200 warm down, so 3,300 metres. Um, we've had an email in from one of our guests. We had re- fairly recently, Patrick Wilson. Mm. He's doing a little uh, study here. One of the studies is an anonymous survey on the problem of side stitch. Um, we've got a link on the show notes and he's got another study going on um, tracking your sort of oscillation levels when you're running using a Garmin heart rate monitor. So we've got a link. If you're a runner who owns a Garmin, you can click on a link we've got in there and the other one is around side stitching. So we have a couple of links in there. Where's that link, John? Is anyone um, I'll find that for you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, it'd be really interesting to see. You know, stitches really variable so um well the arguments that we've had on the show is that it's often people race harder than they train yep that's one argument yeah holding your breath is another nutrition is another so there doesn't seem to be an exact answer does there no no so patrick's trying to find that out so if you're keen and um basically the participation in the side stitch one is tracking information about your training runs um, for one week and completing a five minute electronic survey and then the other one um, will be using your Garmin heart rate monitor okay so I got told off John did you yes yeah, oh let's just do this briefly James Thomas yep I'm so disappointed with you yeah that was the subject line I know mate. I, was, I was worried this was going to be a really bad email I was like oh no what have we done yeah, here mate you're not my bloody mother <laughs> you know can't pull out that card look I'm not angry at you. I'm just disappointed. Uh, just saying, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. We talked about I'm in putting on races and the refund factor. He says he comes just got the show. I wasn't talking about refunds. I was complaining about WTC. It's not the name anymore, is it? No, it's not. No, or is it? What's it called now? Maybe it is. I think it's just Ironman. Ironman putting up the prices for races that are still tiered, um, and they don't give refunds. It's a bit tone deaf, right? Mm. I just, that tier system just annoys the shit out of me. What do you know, what's the tier system? <laughs> well, they'll always be saying, there's only a few spots left at tier three and oh, the prices okay. go up. So I, I get it. I just Come on, you get it. You're a race director. I, I get it, but it annoys me <laughs> as, a, as a consumer. Yeah, but you need to do it because otherwise you get your problem. Two days before the race, no one signed up. Yeah, but then the, the, the tier system, I, I'd much prefer having a cutoff date. Okay. So how does the tier, they have like three? Well, they have three or four tiers and, and when each tier fills up, then so it's just, yeah, uh, so the, the tier system with that might go within a couple of weeks. Whereas if you just go, I need to enter by okay fifteenth of October. Oh, so it's not a date; it's just no. the numbers. Oh, back it up, back it up. Jeff, the explosion curry sent through the sixty marathon world record isn't directly triathlon related, but it's pretty extraordinary. A, a, a guy sixty years and over ran a two thirty marathon. That's pretty impressive. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Very impressive. Jeez, that's great work. Uh, we have his name here, Tommy Hughes. 
Mm. Tommy Hughes, 60. And he, that's unbelievable. Mm. That's impressive, man. Over 60. That's 230. For you're kind of thinking he can't have been a runner as a kid. What's 2.30 for a marathon pace, probably? Let's have a pull out my video, John. <laughs> pull out that I can't, someone's calling me. Bugger off you, I don't want to talk to you. Um, <laughs> if somebody's calling Bevan at 9, if it's you calling him at 9.21 on six, Tuesday, six. the 10th of November. I don't know, I don't know the name. Okay. So, nothing to us. Yeah, yeah, nothing. 2.30, I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say that's probably averaging 3.30 per case. Okay, so let's get a marathon, 2.30... And zero seconds, which is zero is, a, is an easy number. Zero seconds. Okay, what do you reckon? I'd say about 3.30 per K. 3.33. 3.33. That's impressive, man, for a 60-year-old. Mm. Nice work. That's unbelievable. And he looks 60. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. Funnily enough, we got this. Hey, so enough. he did it. He, just, he did 2.30 in, in two seconds. Nice. Oh, I would have been gutted. It would have been nice to go 229. Yeah, I know. Um, so that was from Jeff the Explosion Curry. And I kind of almost wanted to use that nickname for our new patron. Who's that? Um, we've got Jeff Roberts. So did he explode? Well, I'll go into that in a second. So Jeff, you would have heard from him two weeks ago on the show. He was a Welsh fella uh, who was on Epic Camp. He's a Welsh guy that lives in Christchurch. In his, I think he's, Jeff's in his late 50s. Good um, Welsh accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a Welsh accent. He's a classic guy, just always encouraging people, gets involved, not the speediest. And uh, he had some challenges on Epic Camp. And in what way? In one way, was there was the explosion. Is it not? He had diarrhea for a couple oh, of days. Oh, poor bugger. And, on uh, Epic Camp. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. And couldn't take in any nutrition and stuff. Oh, that sucks. And when you're already one of the groupetto, yeah. and then you're struggling. So he did amazingly well to get get through. So Jeff, it would have been great to have Jeff the Explosion Roberts. Another suggestion we had from one of the campers was uh, the Japanese flag, because that's what something looked like for a couple of days. I'm trying to think. I might get you one here, John. Okay. Another, another couple of suggestions we had were with reference to the Wiggles, as in, where's Jeff? If you haven't got kids, you probably won't know about that. Bevan, you know the Wiggles songs, yeah. don't you? Oh, yeah. Where's um, Jeff? Do you know the guys? So Jeff was, Wake Up Jeff. There's also Wake Up Jeff. Yeah. yeah, Wake Up Jeff. And the guy who played Wake Up Jeff was the guy who always fell asleep. And I watched an interview on TV one time and he said, the only thing that sucks about my job is teenagers drive past my house in the middle of the night and peep <laughs> on the horn and say, Wake Up Jeff. Nice. <laughs> I love stupid stuff kids do. Um, uh, we had another suggestion from Kylie Cox said that the Dara knot so that's the Celtic symbol of strength power wisdom and endurance it's a bit serious for us uh, I was thinking Jeff the Jackhammer Roberts what have you got Bevan I'm just looking at the song for, do you remember that song Diarrhea when you're sliding into first and oh. you're feeling something first Diarrhea it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna, gonna haunt you no, Jeff yeah no I won't go that one I reckon wake up Jeff okay what do you want I've you've got Jackhammer Jeff the Jackhammer oh, yeah, Roberts. Yep, yeah, it's good. Yep. We won't give you a Wiggles name, Jeff. Okay. Jeff the Jackhammer Roberts. Because okay. he just keeps hammering all the time, even when he's sick. Okay. Uh, when you're sliding into third and you feel a juicy turn diarrhea. <laughs> Jeff, was, Jeff had no shame in telling everybody about his diarrhea. Like, when you're sliding into home and your pants are full of foam Oh, I love kids. They're so stupid and brilliant. Yeah. Okay, John. Um, so, Jeff, okay, who else have we got here? It's, uh, just, uh, it was our new patron for the for today. Okay. We can do a couple more. Hold on a second. 
Well, why were you doing it? Let's talk about the sponsor. So first of all, sponsor is the Legends brand. The Legends brand. Remember, legendsbrand.com slash talk to get 20% off. And the discount code is IMT20, uh, all caps, when you do that as well. I thought it was a 20% discount off all caps. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, it's just all caps. Uh, who else, John? Ken, the mighty red Welsh. Nice. And Yancey, the man of fashion, Arrington. Oh, he could teach you a few things, John Bo. Uh, also, if you want to get show emailed to you, down at the bottom of the front page, just go there. If you want to become a patron, go to our website. It's all pretty obvious on the website. For some coaching, get Coach John Newsom at coachjohnnewsom.com. My podcast, I've got another one coming out next week, bevanjamesoz.com. And other website, age group of the week, call websites, and other feedback, email iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Or just go to our website because we've got the form on the website as well. John, you goss. Um, what did I uh, get up to over the last few days? I watched a lot of cycling over the weekend. Watched stage 17 of the Vuelta. If you haven't seen that. What's the that, Vuelta? It's a Tour of Spain, which is the last still of the going. Grand, uh, It's just finished. Last of the Grand Tours. Was it a good tour? Uh, it was pretty solid, pretty close. Yeah. And if you, if, even if you kind of know the result, um, stage 17 is worth a watch. Any Kiwis? Uh, we had George Bennett was on the, uh, did pretty well he finished 12th overall and then I watched all the Tour of Southland because that was the area we were in so who won it in the end? Uh, it was an amazing finish so going into the final stage the, this is a six day tour because they had a climb up the Remarkables didn't they? yeah that what? didn't prove too decisive oh didn't it? Going to the final stage, there was a guy called Michael Vink. He had a one-second lead. Oh, really? And uh, and he's a great cyclist, isn't he? He is. And was it maybe a couple? No, it was a couple. It was a, bit, a little bit more than that. Anyway, he still had that. They did two stages on the last day. First one was a time trial, and I think he still led after that. But then the final stage, someone overtook him by just getting bonus um, time splits, time bonus time when you have sprints during the stage. Oh, and really? it came down to the last sprint finish of the race and the guy that won the stage got a 10-second time bonus so he ended up winning and this Vink got third or something like that and uh, and lost it by on really? the final sprint of a six-day tour. Oh, that's pretty cool. So it was, it was good good stuff. And that was also the area we went around on, on Epic Camps. So that was my sort of uh, weekend. Did a bit of a Zwift ride. Did a lot of gardening, I think, like a lot of people on Saturday. Did you, did you watch rugby? Did not watch the rugby. Didn't miss Glad out much. I didn't. Didn't miss out much. It was a game. Yeah. Yeah. So Australia, well done. Yep. Well done. Come back. It was a strange game, but mm. red cards everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Bevan, what's happening in your world? John, what's happening in my world? Um, I watched the rugby. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Bit of a shit game. It was just a really frustrating game. Good on Australia for winning, but it was just a bit of a horrible game. Uh, John, what's happening in my world? Not much at the moment. I'll tell you one thing I am doing, which is kind of off topic to maybe what we normally talk about here, but John and I are working on this book called Clockwork. Um, I, I love yeah. studying a book. But you, you talk about this about you've got to yeah. document all your Yeah, your but it's, so, so the whole idea is that we're basically – so we've done the audit, mm-hmm. and the audit is basically with your business, are you doing, delegating, designing – or doing, delegating, designing, and deciding. And we woke up and we, after we did the assessment, we realized that 99% of our week is just doing. So we're not spending much time designing our business. Uh, so then what you do is you break down your roles. So we've just broken down all our roles. Mm-hmm. And now what we're doing is starting to do the, the, the basically, what he talks about is you have to try, create a system. He's not, like, he's not really into manuals. He's more like just you literally screen share to yourself or record how you do your work and just talking through how you do your work mm-hmm. and then the next stage is we're going to employ some people to offload our work I'm really excited about it because there's aspects of my work which A I'm, I'm good at but it's probably not best use of my time mm-hmm. B we could probably employ someone to pay 
you know, a lot less than what I could charge my time out at. But see, the thing for me, it's the thing I love doing the most is creating. Mm-hmm. You know, like last year we had a big project for our business of totally changing our business and the structure of how we make our business. And it's proven to be a really good strategy. And it was a quite stimulating process. And while I'm kind of in the moment where this is a bit of a step stone forward, I'm really looking forward to next year because I see that next year I'm basically going to have an extra like 20 hours a week they're just about making more to business. Dominate to de- to dedicate to home talk. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what I said to Joe. I said, "Bugger the business, babe. I am talk all in." But you know, it is that thing of so many times in life we we there's things we want to do, but we just don't give ourselves the time, and it's mm-hmm. often because we don't have the time. Um, and so, while I'm in this kind of moment where it's you've just got to do the work to to figure out what you're going to offload and how you're going to offload it. I'm kind of looking to next year. I think, wow, next year could be a really exciting year because my wife and I, we do seem to be after denying good things around business, but we just mm-hmm. don't give enough stuff time to it. So it's kind of, I know it's not the typical answer I'd give here, but it, it's kind of an exciting thing to think about once I have more time, what can I do with that time? And ultimately for me, it would be about helping people move, but yeah. yeah, that's kind of my main thing right now, John. Good times. And other than that, oh, not, you're not going to the races. You're going to races? Going to races on Saturday, three and 12 okay. all day. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Race nine? Three and 12. No, John. Horse seven. Horse Think seven. ninety-seven. Race nine. Horse seven. I'm going to write that down. Yep, I guarantee. And I'll be invoicing you after the race. We don't win. So say that again. Race ninety-seven, wasn't it? Think race nine. Race nine. Okay, I'm going to pull up my TAB app here, John. Yeah. TAB app. Okay, so you go races, races, races. Race nine, number seven, was it? Yes. Um, what day are you going? Saturday. Oh, they don't have Saturday races up yet. Oh. <sighs> right. Race nine, horse seven. Righty-ho. Yep. John, don't just put some of your money on it. Put all of your money on it. I think there's 12 races, so I'll be getting towards the end. What's your, what's your, what's your, what, how much do you take? I haven't decided, decided that yet. Good hundy? Probably a hundy. Yeah, you need a hundy. And then you can go, put one hundy in one pocket, and we just keep putting putting your money back in your pocket after you win, and then you just check it but out. But wait, do you, do you just go, what, when you say three and nine, what, three and 12? Three and 12. What do you do? Usually a couple of dollars each way. But you don't do a, like a... Trifecta quinellas? Nah. No, that's, that's where you get the big wins. It is, but it's risky business. Did you read about the guy in Christchurch? I think so. So in the yeah. Melbourne Cup, guys, this is pretty fascinating. In the Melbourne Cup in New Zealand, in Christchurch, in Bishopdale, mm-hmm. and the good thing is, he's a, I think he's a local TAB kind of regular. Yeah. Um, he put a thirty-dollar bet on for the Melbourne Cup. Yeah. Won a million bucks. Nice. You don't hear of that in horse racing, do you? I think it was the biggest bet payout ever in New Zealand, hmm. and for a thirty-buck bet, hmm. that's impressive. It is. Yep, so it's a really long show today. I reckon they'll be close to two hours. People love it, John. Great. People love it. They love us. They can't get enough of us. I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. kaha.